Driving that coach. 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 And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. And as you can see below, we have a very special guest this evening, or if you listen to this on the radio, we also have a very special guest this evening. Uh, our good friend Flobo, who was actually with us during our uh, Monday Night Wars show, the initial one anyway, uh, has returned because he, like me and AJ, are friends, are fans really, of the subject matter at hand, which is the. I mean, yeah, it comes secondary, I guess. I mean, and, and, oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and he's like friends with AJ. They found me somewhere on the street. And, and we, and, and I'm coming cool with him too. He, <laughs> he, <aight. laughs> he's my man. He's my man's man, but he, he, he cool. cool. Yeah. Yo, thanks for yeah, like being on the show, man. Appreciate it. But yeah, like I said, we're all three fans of tonight's subject, which would be Steven Spielberg's Freakazoid. Uh, very underrated uh, WB uh, cartoon. Hella funny. Hella out there, and like I said, it's just one of those shows out there with a really weird cult following, and like I've loved it for years. And when we got a chance to do a show about this, I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do this. This is a funny fucking show." Yeah, absolutely. Simple as that, man. But uh, as usual, let's go ahead and get to our regular segments. On the first one will be Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, where I can connect any major American film star to the great Eddie Murphy within seven films. Now, AJ actually tripped me up. Last week, that's cool. I'm gonna try to recover this week. So you actually said you gonna try to do it again. Actually, you know what? You know, you know what it is. I, I want you to do it every time. Like, just try to challenge me. But like, all right, I'm gonna get myself ready. Let's do this. Go. What are you trying to pull? What? What's the song? Oh, act like we don't have an intro. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do it last time. Oh, 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 oh. What do you mean? Yeah, no, uh, no. I was like, what the fuck? We having an argument on air, motherfucker? No. Let's hear it. <laughs> all right, all right. Give me a second. All right. I thought it was a drop. I really thought it was going to hit a button. I didn't think you do it live every time. We, oh, actually, we'll we, we get to that point. We're going to record it. Eventually. Okay. That's just me doing it. And that's what's that. That's gonna be the day that that I die a little inside because I love watching it live every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, uh, uh, yeah, with the handshake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. What's up? It's her birthday today. Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. Yes. Lori Metcalf done Yes. Don't make me help you out. Yeah, I think you are going to have to help me out. What, what, what movie is Lori Metcalf in? Well, Scream 2. She was in that shit? Mm-hmm. According to IMDb. All right, fine. I'll go that, I'll go that route there. Okay. Uh, Lori Metcalf apparently was in Scream 2. Fuck it. With Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett wasn't in that professor with Eddie Murphy. And you didn't even know she's in there. I shouldn't have helped you out. <laughs> yeah, well, I admit, I'll admit he helped me out because I was like, what the fuck? Lori Metcalf does movies. All I've ever seen is TV. <laughs> All right, how about uh, how about Daniel Burl? Or Brule? I'm not sure how you say his last name. Oh yeah, that can. Okay, okay, that's that's easier. I actually get that one. All right, Daniel Brule. 
was in <laughs> Daniel Brule was in Ah, fuck I go this way. Daniel Brule was in Captain America Civil War with Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. was in both things with Eddie Murphy. Well done. John, is it John Cho? Is that how you say his last name? John Cho? Oh, the Asian guy. Okay. That's another easy. Oh, that's super easy. He's a Bowfinger. Bowfinger. You remember, remember when, like, when they film in Hollywood, there's a part where they like commandeer a nightclub. The Asian guy in there cleaning is John Cho. I'm going to double check. I don't, I don't recall that. I don't recall him being that. He's in it. But can you do him twice, though? Like, I think that's kind of cheap. No, 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 no. Like, he, he said John Cho. John Cho is in Bowfinger. All right. Watch it again, bro. I, I'm not saying it wasn't in there. I'm just use the same advice. I'm just saying. There's any there's many ways to get John Cho in Eddie Murphy. I'm just saying. Right. I, could go, I could go all the route, but that's the path I'm of least looking, resistance. He's in the Eddie Murphy movie. Like all the way in 97. Let's see. All the way to 97, 98. Look at, look at John Cho. I'm looking at John Cho. I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking right here. What, what year was it? Four years, Bowfinger, 99? Yeah, around that same time, yes. I'm not seeing it on his IMDb, man. He's in that movie, bro. Watch it again. It's John Cho. Not credited. It doesn't count. <laughs> Fuck you. He's in the movie. You know it. Oh, shit. Here it is. You're right. Nightclub. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, motherfucker. How did you question that? my? me question That's myself, wine. motherfucker. He doesn't yeah. have the wine. Yeah, exactly. That's John Cho right there. He's going to be a star one day. He's, that's he's like, still in the movie. That's like getting Cuba out of uh, out of coming to America. He's like, yeah, he's getting his hair cut. He never said shit. <laughs> Actually, they film scenes with him talking. So technically, they yeah. just cut him out. Yeah, it happens to the best of us, right? So <laughs> it's happening right. a couple times. Well, you know what? No, I'm not an actor. It's sick. The segment today. So all right, so we got that down. So I'll do the outro for Asia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a video game. game. Do you have like a bad tone if you lose? Do you go rrr, rrr? Like, do you do the opposite tone? Rrr, rrr. You know, we we should have that. Like <laughs> <laughs> that shit from uh, Price is Right. Do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have that shit. Now, I will say, I don't know if you're aware for books. I know you're a little bit newer to the, uh, the podcast here, but. Um, have we told you about Mandy Moore? No. You should ask. You should ask JD about Mandy Moore because that's, that's. He looks kind of upset. He looks. He looks kind of. What, what about Mandy Moore? Uh, I'm very upset. Yeah, the sweetheart. first time. No, the first time he stumped me on air was with fucking Mandy Moore for Seven Degrees of Eddie because I've never seen other than what's that shit? A Walk to Remember. Remember, yeah. Yeah, that's the only Mandy Moore movie I've ever seen. What other? Is she like some Hallmark stuff? Like what? She's an American film star. Those are the rules. But she was an American film star. It was like episode two or three as well. So I got you early on with a good story. But but the fact that he stumped me that early really pissed me off. And now poor Manny is going to get like the hate mail for no reason. (laughs) Well, at this point, I really don't care because she made me. She she made me fucking. Second guess myself. You know so, so fuck Mandy. I'll show you the word. Remember? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure. Eventually, I'll, hopefully, I'll work with her one day, and I'll apologize. But for the meantime, between time, fuck Mandy more. Hey, you know what? I will say because I used to do a lot of live sound. I can't say it's about all the people I was around, but I do know from having talked to the guy who ran monitors for her at a, a show that she did out in the, the Salt Lake City area. Shit, probably been around like 2002, 2003. 
the girl actually sings. She's not one of those lip singers. She actually sings for real. So, you know what? I'll give her props for that because we all know there's a lot of folks that uh, they don't sing. They just don't sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking man's pop star. That's what, yeah, I'll give her I don't have I never bought one of her albums, but you know what? Respect for doing it. <laughs> Ain't you gonna buy that? What's that shit she had? I'm missing you like candy. Mm-hmm. That's the one song I know of anymore. That was because it was hot at the time when it came out. Yeah, it was like it was like the the neck and neck between Britney Christina and maybe Mandy, but Mandy went her own direction. But yeah. she's the one. She's the OG. I mean, no one can. No one ever says ah. Except for you, ah, anymore. <laughs> you know. And of, of the of those three, she comes across as the most mentally stable. She's yeah. definitely had the most mentally stable career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just been a nice even trajectory, slightly upward, right? So you know, keep it even. Yeah, keep that's, it even. That's good to know, actually. That's right. All right, so we all, so we knocked out Eddie. Let's go ahead and get to the next segment of the show. WWBS. What will Busey say now? AJ, you started a new little thing where you wanted to do it in question form last week. What you got for me this week, man? Simple. Boxers or briefs, and why? Okay. Boxers or briefs. Why not boxer briefs? How come nobody ever brings up boxer briefs? Boxer briefs are hella fucking comfortable. I hate fucking briefs. They're all tiny and white and, you know, if you're having to shoot yourself, it really shows. I really don't like that. Or boxers, you know, I got my, got my dangle everywhere, you know. Uh, you know, that's uncomfortable as well, but boxer briefs because it's the perfect combination. Got your, got your warmth and your comfort. You also got a little snugness in the right areas, man. Also, they're easier to get off of than boxers or briefs to me because, in fact, I'm usually in the woods smoking peyote. I need to get out of my clothes in the hurry sometimes, man. At least, you know, the demons get me. And, you know, they really thrive on you if you have your clothing on. So I got to get out of there as quick as possible. So I always go for boxer briefs because, you know what I'm saying, I never want to get caught up by the demons. Tiger blood. Short and sweet. I thought Busey was a free ball. I, I, saw, I would put money in him free balling, but I got to laugh. No, man. Be, no, hey, no. <laughs> Busey appreciates his jump, man. Okay, for sure. I'm sorry. Her, 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 her. <laughs> I mean, you know, either that or the demons will get him. Right. Those, those peony demons. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy and Busey are reading the show. This is dope. <laughs> Times where Busey starts to sound more like he might be Eric Roberts, I think. <laughs> Especially with all the peyote and the mushrooms and everything else. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this one before. Might go in, might go in the desert and have a little concert with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he with the bongos. I'll probably bring the flugelhorn or something. Is it is it is it a shit of Chuck Man Joe when he plays the flugelhorn? <laughs> I don't even know what that was called. Yeah, Chuck Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione. Wow. Oh shit, Chuck Mangione. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> uh, we got we can keep it short and sweet for Busey. Let's go ahead to dropping that news. Dropping that news. All right, cool. All right, so I really don't have much at all, bro. So 
You got anything? Ah, uh, yeah, they're letting people go back to work in some places. <laughs> yeah, places. so it's are getting coverage. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, really, no. It's coronavirus. <laughs> it's been a. Hey, it's been like this for fucking months, bro. Ain't shit going on because of coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all the facts. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to know the real news? Uh, it's 50 50 uh, which cities are going to have any kind of sports come the fall because everyone's still fighting back and forth. Florida extended their COVID lockout through the end of, or not Florida, sorry, uh, Hawaii did through the end of July. So anything was going to be shot out there, pretty much off the table for the rest of the year. Uh, what I'm hearing from different folks I know in the industry. Um, video game productions coming back for some of the live action stuff they got to do because that's almost nobody green screen mocap that kind of a thing um, there's talk at some point to start getting television production back up and running but most people are still looking August to September um, Atlanta's been back a little before everyone else with all the civil unrest and everything chances are nothing's going to shoot there the only place in the world major production most likely going to be happening I've seen uh, they're about to start. I think WB's got some, or Warner Bros. got something going to be starting out in, uh, in the UK. It's slated to be the first production going back in. But otherwise, not a lot happening. A lot of people trying to negotiate deals on the outside. But, you know, nobody wants to make any deals right now. Everybody's still kind of freaking out, trying to figure out where the money's going to come from. Plus, the real question nobody's answered yet, um, a lot of people lost a lot of money. Um, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with the completion bond company. So bring the business side back in for a second. Um, I guarantee you there's been a bunch of claims filed. There's, it's going to be reverberating for a while. Um, the only thing I'd say on the independent film side, uh, for the first time ever, they're going to be doing a virtual cans. So there's two film markets every year. There's American film market in Santa Monica in November. There's a cans film market in um, Cannes, France. The Cannes, France, I don't know, I'm going to speak French. Don't, don't get on me about the pronunciation. Um, I won't. But it's normally in person because of all the COVID stuff and everything. They shut that down this year. So it's a virtual film festival. It's a virtual market. They're trying to do essentially virtual meetups and that sort of thing. So um, that's, that's about all that you, you can see on it. There's a lot of people burning through content and nothing filling in the blanks yet. Uh, one thing I wanted to add to that, and actually, since you brought up the whole virtual concept thing, uh, one thing I read was that they actually they do, they're going to do the BET Wars this year. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to have like one actual venue where they do the live performances and stuff, but like all the celebrities and all the other shit is going to be like you know digital. It's going to be you know people broadcasting from certain places or broadcasting from home or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, actually, I saw that too because the castings are starting to come back. Since we mentioned that, you know. Uh, and I, I would actually submit myself for a couple of things. But uh, yeah, like I said, they're bringing it back. We'll be doing some kind of huge performance from what I saw with uh, Police, obviously. I don't know for who, I don't know the artist, but there's going to be a huge performance because the BET Awards involved in something police related. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure about who. It's going to be a, it's going to be a little weird on that one. I know me and Flobo both worked uh, BET Awards in the past, yeah. um, BET uh, Live or BET Experience, which, which happens off to the side. Um, Obviously, that stuff's all shut down this year because they just they can't do the large crowds. Um, question right now what the red carpet will look like because um, if you've ever been to those before or seen them before, um, it's not just, you know, the four or five uh, – on the big shows, four or 500 on the small end, 100 celebrities walking through. You've got probably another 150 in terms of media there. So 
it's it's yet to be determined kind of how bad this is going to impact all of that. I know I've still got a lot of friends that work the live um, production, red carpet side of things, and um, you know they're they're still waiting to see kind of how everyone's going to shake it up. But the big question for us out here in California with uh, film production, um, the studios have all submitted uh, suggestions for COVID and in terms of how we're going to have the COVID adjusted. Uh, production um, setups, you know, things related to, you know, prepackaged craft services, people getting, you know, scanned for third fever, coming in and out, blah, 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 all that stuff. It was submitted by the studios along with, um, I think there was input by, you know, IOTC and all the different unions and everyone involved. They still haven't gotten approval back from the governor as far as how and when they're going to do it. They officially said as on Saturday they could restart it, but from what I'm hearing, they're still figuring out how that actually looks which is part of why it's kind of a slow on people back into the office and back on stage. Yeah, I think uh, even Comic-Con this year is canceled. Um, I mean, I'm not to brag, but I'm on a panel, right, at Comic-Con, but they had to record it. They're giving out the emails to panel members to record their panels over the next two or three weeks, the technical panels, to submit them so they can roll them out at Comic-Con for home. And, and if you guys don't know, who are familiar with Comic-Con, I think 145,000 badges get released every year and everyone descends upon San Diego. So we don't know about the economic impact and the hotels you gotta buy, all the money you drop, you know. I'm a local and it ends up being a G every weekend. It was after hotel and food, you know. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of money being left on that table because of this. it seems it's having a second wave if you're looking outside these days. Yeah. yeah, and I do the whole thing with God Hates Geeks, so I get, I'll get i probably go like every other year. And like, same thing, I, I usually just go down and stay for the day because I know how hectic it is. Just go down there, have me a little food, et cetera, et cetera, do all those damn panels. Make sure to wear comfortable shoes because like I'm doing a lot of walking mm-hmm. and going panel to panel, reporting, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, also make sure I have enough money saved up because I go, I go fucking crazy on the shirts in case you have enough shirts. You got, you got to. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that so, is a Comic Con, the uh, one up. Seven, oh, yeah, I just noticed that. That's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, your, your shirt sucks, AJ. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not cool, so I'm not allowed to attend Comic Con. So I just wear no. these style things I get from friends. Uh, well, you know, well, okay, you, man. You, yeah, well, you know, you said it, not me. So. <laughs> uh, actually, you said it I, as far as my shirt sucking. I, I've always been fine with my not being cool. It's, it's honestly taking you down a level hanging out with me. So. <laughs> okay, so you know what? Correcting me on air. Wait, did he snap on you or self-deprecating? I can't tell what he did. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. No, right? Yeah. Self-deprecating? Did I slam him? It's confusing, but it's great because... So my, my status is going down from hanging with him. Okay, I got you. <laughs> what happened? That's <laughs> Fucking clever. Fucking clever. Well, I guess that's about it for our news, then. <laughs> yeah, I think that is about it for our news. Yeah, so bitch got me. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Freakazoid. You didn't do the outro. Uh, huh? Is the outro? Is it the same? Okay, you know what? Okay. <laughs> really? I mean, yo, you. Motherfucker, man. And that's a new segment. Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to say that too. Okay. So let, like I said, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast where we talk about Freakazoid. Now let's go ahead and start at the beginning of the show. Now, in terms of its creation, it was actually created 
by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, who actually did Batman animated series and pretty much all the uh, shows of the DC animated version, you know, Superman animated series, Static Shock in a certain, in a certain way, uh, the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons. And they still do the movies, like the animated straight to DVD or straight to digital uh, movies every once in a while. But yeah, those are the main guys that actually came up with it. And eventually, initially, it was actually supposed to be a straightforward superhero show. Uh, and actually, one of the characters that inspired it was a character from the Batman canon uh, called the Creeper. It was like madcap, almost Joker-ish uh, type character, but he was a hero. But he was very unpredictable. Uh, and uh, they took it to Steven Spielberg. Spielberg liked the idea of the whole series, but he thought, you know, we've been working really well with comedy. Let's make it a comedy. So, you know, we had already done Tiny Toons. We'd already done Animaniacs. We had a good trend going here. So let's kind of add little elements of that into it. So it was like, okay, cool, whatever. And then the name Freakazoid, apparently Bruce Tim said, the name Freakazoid just kind of jumped out at me. Uh, I didn't even know from where, but I was like, oh yeah, Freakazoid. Freakazoid, that's, a, that's an interesting name. Like, there's no real, like, like that's, that's pretty much the origin of the name Freakazoid. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever named something like a car or like a project, like, oh, the name just came to me? Or do you sit there and you can go like, I gotta, I gotta mix like, my Kodak. We gotta be like, it gotta be like, like Bill and Saga. Like, well, that's actually happened. That's actually happened twice. Hanging with AJ, actually. Um, one of them was actually well. One happened before AJ. The other one happened while we're, we're with AJ. Uh, one is a private detective character I have called Atticus Stone, and I I was thinking about the concept itself uh, years before I met AJ, like ten years prior, yeah. when I was working at FedEx, and like I, I was racking myself about the fucking name itself. And then I was having a break with my buddy who was working with me, and we're talking about the our friends who are getting married and having kids. And he mentioned that a baby was just born. The baby's name was Atticus Stone Honeycutt. I said, "Well, Atticus Stone's a cool name." And then I stopped myself. Like, Atticus Stone. Yeah. And I just kept saying it over and over again. It just like really rolled off the tongue. And the second one is a space superhero uh, project I want to do with AJ, and. Um, like uh, I couldn't like there's another one like I actually adapted it from another hero, uh, Captain Marvel, the original version from Marvel, yeah. not the Brie Larson version, the, the main one. The the first ripoff of Captain Marvel. The very first, the very <laughs> first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I did a screenplay based on that one initially around the same time as I came up with the Attic Stone character, and I just had it with me for years. I was like, you know what? There's a lot of good material here. We can maybe work something with this. You know what I'm saying? So. And I was actually explaining to a buddy, also on break in my, in my real job and shit. And uh, I was like, "Hey, uh, so like, what's, he said, what's it about? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's like Captain Marvel, right? But with a black star." And I thought myself like, "Black star," because I was thinking of a, a, a superhero space name. Yeah, Black Star just worked. Most Def was like, "I like it." <laughs> Tell quality was like, "I like it." That's cool, yeah, man. And then, and then I did. I remember the cartoon back in the '80s called Brave Star. It was a. Uh, I've seen that weird. show. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird thing. It was like Indians and cowboys and out of space, but the spelling of the star has the two R's. I was like, I just borrowed that. So like, so, yeah. so it's Black Star with two R's. That's what's up, man. I, I'm just always cool with naming things because we always have the idea and like, well, how to bring it together. Uh, I know I'm coming off topic. I apologize, but when AJ <laughs> and I were were in, in college. How do you do? You say grad school, film school, or college? Like, how do you? I'd say grad school, but it's only because it makes more sense. Because like people who know me know me. Yeah. 
my undergrad wasn't as exciting as grad school. So. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, and you were working on the, uh, the I don't know how to say it, the Jonas or Sebastian Black project. And, and that was something that I thought was like really cool because he was like, yo, all the best spies are JB, James Bond, Jason Bourne, yeah. Jack Bauer, Jonas Black. And I'm like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Sorry, that ruined that ruined trademark. I apologize. I don't know if I did that. But anyway, cool idea. I like the fact that names are always fun to me, you know. Show us black. The only ones I can talk to you about off air. There's been a couple other ones because I mean, sometimes like it just pops up and it just hits you for whatever reason. Other mm -hmm. times, like I think it's nice, especially on the writing side of things, to try to do like an like an homage to the things before you. So like there's a there's a, a serial killer project that I worked on, and the um, uh, the lead character, his name is uh, um, David uh, David Henry Lilligar, DHL, because it's the same literally as Dr. Hannibal Lecter, DHL. Oh, that was, nice. that was part of the reason why. And then the name Lila Guard because it literally has to go by and that's one of those guys plays the you know, lies and the true thing, so it makes it really hard to kind of play them out. I can go into it forever and ever and ever. We'll get off of Freakazoid, but yeah, I mean, yeah. to that point. Yeah. Sometimes it just hits, other times, yeah, you're having a conversation, inspiration just strikes. I mean, this, I mean, one of these days we'll have to show you, me and JD have got a screenplay we just finished. Um, about uh, about medics in the uh, well, corpsmen essentially, and there was some shit that was like, yeah, we had it, and there was a big chunk. It was just the two of us sat down, a couple of cigars, and started talking. Mm -hmm. A bunch of crazy yeah. shit came out. It just it happened. It's a it's a mockumentary, like a uh, past mockumentary, like a tape, almost like the greatest story never told. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I want to see that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. All right, so back to Freakazoid now. One of the main inspirations in terms of how the character was portrayed was a comic called Madman by uh, Mike Allred. Now you could look at the actual the comic of of uh, all of a uh, Madman, excuse me, and Freakazoid. Look at them side by side, like brothers. You know, this virtual like they, they took a lot from Madman. And actually, funny enough, they were cool enough to actually call Mike Allred and say, "Hey, we got this character. A lot of this is gonna be inspired by Madman." And like um, they actually. Mike Allred was actually cool about it. You could have sued them for like copyright infringement, but he's like, you know what? As long as you actually acknowledge the fact that I'm my characters want to acknowledge that uh, inspired this, we're cool. Just as long as you do that, which they did. So um, there's that. Now, in terms of uh, Bruce Tim, actually talked about uh, how because of the fact that like yeah, he did it, but he kind of stepped away from the project as soon as they, they got put on. He actually said this: I don't mind that it's not on my resume. Uh, I bailed on it really early. It started out as an adventure show, but it ended up turning more and more into a comedy show. Every time we go into a meeting with Steven, the concept would get changed and it kept leaning more and more towards zany comedy. It started out almost like Spider-Man uh, on the level of a teenage superhero. Uh, and then it reached a point where it just became a comedy with the uh, Tiny Toons Animaniacs kind of humor. Uh, I don't have anything against that. It's just I just don't have a flair for it. So I bailed. Uh, I just hung around there to get my staff, you know, in terms of how to do the show, and that's really about it. So that's what Bruce Tim thinks about Freakazoid. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the Timverse is so different. I mean, even the smaller shows like like uh, the Zeta Project or whatever had that air of like seriousness. So it wouldn't it wouldn't fit, fit that at all. But yeah. at the same time, Spielberg other shows are talking Hysteria, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, like Pinky and the Brain. They had their own show. It was like okay, yeah. So I see the split, for sure. The only character I liked from Hysteria was a uh, Loud Kiddington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, 
That character was fun. That and uh, the Big Fat Baby. That's, that's Big Fat Baby was legit, yeah. <laughs> With the gums. That and, that and Big Fat Baby. Those only the rest of the show was like, it's, you know, historical shit, so it's like kind of lost me. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this, that they weren't as, as uh, clever with it than Animaniacs was, but yeah, I mm-hmm. got you. Yeah, I got you. Now, in terms of the voicing of the show, they actually got the great Andrea Romano to be the voice director, just like for Tiny Toons and for Animaniacs. So she got a great cast in terms of like seasoned veteran actors to do really silly shit for this show. Now, some of the ones that she got in terms of like uh, just regulars that have been on the shows before, like Tress Meal. Uh, Maurice LaMarche, uh, Rob Paulson, Jeff Bennett, Frank Wilker, the real like heavy-duty people that have been doing voice acting for years, they all came on for Freakazoid. But in terms of the main actors, they got Ed Asner, Ricardo Montalban, freaking Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space, uh, Stephen First from Animal House. They got a bunch of different people to do really silly shit for this show. And each it shows in each of their characters, man. Now, uh, in terms of Freakazoid himself, uh, one of the show's writers, Paul Rudd, he just came in initially as a writer, and uh, they were doing voice sessions for Freakazoid, and all the actors that came in kept trying to do some like Robin Williams, uh, zany type shit, and, and like they didn't know what the voice was. They just know that whatever the fuck these characters are doing, it's not, it's not it, not it's not at all what we want to hear. So Paul Rudd himself did the voice, and just kind of like just, just show what it would be like, and then they gave it to Steven Spielberg, and Steven's like. Okay, you do it. Okay, okay. What's his name? Uh, Brad Bird in uh, The Incredibles. You, you, were you were you at that uh, that that Q and A thing, um, Flobo? When we were we were at uh, Chapman, they had no. Brad Bird out. No, I don't. I don't support Chapman that way. <laughs> I went. I don't go to their thing. That's, that's back when we were there. Dude. <laughs> I don't go to their things. So I could tell you, I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't forget. I just didn't go. You're getting graded. You didn't go. I guess. Yeah, whatever, man. I I'm still paying that off, so it's all good. Dude, you're telling me, man. <laughs> Don't even get into it. Anyway, I was going to say, it was basically the same way Brad Bird ended up doing the, uh, the voiceover of, I can never remember the chick's name in The Incredibles, uh, the, the, the lady that does the costuming for the superheroes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I know you're talking about, but yeah, I forgot the character. I forgot the character's name. He had he had some veteran voice actor in there, and she was doing whatever it was. Like, no, 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 it's more like this. So he started doing it, and she she literally told him, "said Look, I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job, but what you did was great. Maybe you should do it." And so they went back and played it back, and then as a result, because Brad, this was one of the things that stuck with me, because I, I I mean to be honest, part of the reason I went to all that stuff was I worked in the theater, if you remember, so I got paid. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I was running the audio for him. But anyway, the thing that stuck with me that he was saying was filmmaking is the salad bar of the arts. If you stick around it long enough, you can do everything. You can work in the art department, you can do voiceover, slash acting, you can do music, you can do writing. There's, there's a variety of things. So you, you never really get bored. And that was the thing that stuck with me. But um, it was basically the same way. It just happenstance. And then by the time the producers and everyone else heard it, they're like, yeah, this is the way it's got to go. And that's what it is in animation, man, when you hear it. Let's run with it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, in terms of the humor of Freakazoid, a lot of it relied, relied heavily on slapstick and parodies and pop culture references. A lot of the references are actually much older than the audience that was aimed for. Like, and initially, it was supposed to be for kids, but the humor was definitely clearly aimed at young adults and adults. Uh, and they would do a lot of like, self-aware, self-deprecating humor. They would talk to the camera. In fact, I think one episode where they introduced uh, Super, uh, Freakazoid's car, the Freakmobile, 
and they automatically went into a, a commercial for it. Like, uh, like he's like, yeah, thank you for making our show toyetic. You know, <laughs> like yeah. they automatically went into a commercial for it. Too. And then they also had all these weird running gags. So they'll do like a, if you look at the credits at the end, they always have some weird little uh, gag at the end, like what the what the letters WB stand for. One was like weird butt, the other one was like wet bananas. Yeah. <laughs> weird butt network. Weird that yeah, weird. That shit. And then they always use like stock footage from different like TV shows and movies, really old shit too. Like uh, ones they use a lot was they do like a, a field of flowers for the Relaxo Vision episode. And then uh, a bunch of people screaming in old movies like from House of Wax and shit like that for Screamer Vision, which we're going to get into. And then, uh, and then one that AJ saw that I know he loved was uh, the one with the Bavarian people dancing and slapping each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so weird. And then uh, well, the, they have another shot of it, which has been used in a lot of commercials. Too. They have a shot of a guy getting hit in the belly with a cannonball. And yes. uh, yeah, it's been used in a lot of commercials with different shit or whatever. And one I really like is a dude wrestling a bear, which I think they got from Grizzly Adams. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they just put these like these uh stock footage in some random places and shit. And like it really works for the show, man. It really it does. kinda talks about the genius yeah. of it all. I think as an adult, you watch that and be like, why am I seeing this random thing from the sixties or seventies? But as a kid, I think I appreciate the fact that it was just something different. It was him, yeah. it went to something and it came back. You know what I mean? And then they would get like the cameos they would get were like people way too old for the kids to understand. They would get like Jack Valenti from the Motion Picture Association of America. <laughs> he, he did that cameo because it was Spielberg or Friends. And then they had Leonard Malton, film critic. They got they got Mark Hamill. They would know Mark Hamill because Luke Skywalker. But then they would get other ones like Norm Abram, like freaking like from This Old House. Yeah, but what kids watch this old house? They need a parody, man. What's up? <laughs> but the way, so, yeah. the way they did it too, though, was so brilliant because it, and that's that's the key to like that kind of comedy that makes it crossover, right? It, it obviously works if you get the reference, and that's kind of where it's hard on the writing side of things to figure out. Okay, so is this still funny if you don't understand the reference? Because if you have to know, if you have to be totally well versed in, you know, like I don't know, like 1960s American politics to understand the reference. Probably not a good joke for something that's not geared specifically for that that audience. But if you can do something that's broad, like that's the thing with like Pixar and some of these other ones that last and last and last. It's that broad thing where it appeals across generations. So, I mean, ha having Jack Valenti and some of these guys, just because they're almost awkward in terms of being so out of place in their appearance, it still makes it funny for us as kids watching it, not knowing who the hell this guy is or why he's there. He's just some weird old guy in a suit essentially and old folks who actually know what's going on adults you know they're sitting there laughing their ass off because like this guy has no business here it's that that crossover where they find that intersection in a way to because basically it's almost not overriding it's probably the best way to describe it does that make sense so let me ask yeah, a question yeah. aj because like you're a producer extraordinaire uh was was this considered like spielberg's prime that he can pull so many talented actors and voice actors and cameos was this like peak producer spielberg I don't think it's fair to call that Pete producer Spielberg because he's still doing all kinds of shit right now. That fair, 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 fair. All over the place. I mean, this is prior to DreamWorks, right? So this would be him. I would say this is probably more him him coming into his own because if you look at the trajectory here, by the time we hit Freakazoid, what, what year was this again? Is this 96, 97? Okay, so we're just after Jurassic Park because if you follow his career early on before that, it had been a nice upward trajectory. He'd have been the first blockbuster director with Jaws and everything else. And he's continually tilting up and cruising up. 
by the time he hits Jurassic Park, he's basically the, the biggest uh, fish in the pond, so to speak, in Hollywood. I mean, everybody wants him. He's got this good relationship with Katzenberg, who's still over at Disney, if I'm not mistaken, at that time. He, he's playing in everybody's pool. So it, it's more a symptom of the fact that as a box office guy, he can, he can do no wrong. He hasn't had anything approaching a flop. Um, even something you might say is not as successful was still financially successful across the board. So every one of his producing partners, every studio wanted to give him anything and everything they could to make him happy. So I think more than anything, it's, he was utilizing, you know, you've heard that, that saying before, right? Where somebody says, sometimes your position in life lets you get things you wouldn't normally otherwise be able to get. That's a yeah. good way of describing. He had a position in Hollywood that if he didn't have that perception, there's no way in hell he would have got it. Because yeah, since you brought yeah, since you brought up the less than successful Spielberg shit, you remember that shit in South Park where they talk about that uh, Steven Spielberg, director of such films as Always, nineteen forty one. Great film. It touches your heart. Who were like who were like they were like two of his biggest flops. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever watch? Am I the only one who watched Always? I watched Always. Did you watch it? No, but the, one, the lady that bags my groceries at the store has told me to watch that movie every week. It, it's so weird that it's the one. Okay, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I'm just say, uh, I like Duel better. <laughs> Duel, you know, stronger film. You know who does not like? Uh, you know who does not like Duel? Everybody. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, well actually, uh, who, uh, because of Duel, who Spielberg does not like the oh. Incredible Hulk TV show. Oh, really? There was an episode in the first season called Never Give a Trucker an Even Break of the Incredible Hulk one with Bill Bixby and Luke Rigno, where they literally take footage from Duel. The vast majority of the hour-long episode is using footage from Duel. Like, you, and, and they did it without Steelbirds permission. Okay, so we, we all saw Duel, though, right? We did all yeah. saw yeah. I've seen, seen Duel, yeah. Here's the thing about Duel, right? Because I always try to look at... So I know we're kind of off on a slight tangent, but it's about Spielberg, so it still makes sense. Yeah. You have to look at when a film was made and who was making it, right? So for a first feature film, for a first-time feature director in the 1970s with no budget, that's a hell of a film. Yeah. You've got, you've, got, you've got solid acting across the board. He knew where to put the camera. And you know what? Despite the fact you never see the damn trucker's face, you're, mm -hmm. scared, you're scared to death of the guy. Like, what in the hell is going on here? There's some crazy psycho chasing you. It's a solid first-time feature film. Out. If you gave him more money yeah. now, I'm a guessing some yeah. interesting shit. AJ, I say, no, I was gonna say a psycho with a gigantic rusty-ass truck. That's the rustiest goddamn truck I've ever seen in my life. Different time then. But but I, but again, to be fair, and then some other movies like My Feeling on Always, and, and I watched it. I watched it more than once because I wanted to be fair to it. It's just it's a little too, a little too okay. hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's it's too it's it's almost too emotional. Is that make, maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe it's maybe that's what it. Maybe it feels like it's trying to be a little bit too too telegraphing or something to that that extent. And and, and again, I mean, like if that's the worst thing you can say about something, I mean, hell, I'd still love to have career. I'd love to have made that movie. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, since we're talking about producer Spielberg, they actually referenced Steven a lot on the show. One particular gag, which I loved, was they actually had Freakazoid, uh, Wacko from Animaniacs, and The Brain from Peaky and the Brain, yeah. and they were all together vying for, they were like, you know, which one of us is Steven's favorite? And they were like, you know what, and Freakazoid, hey, hey, Freakazoid is 
Steven's favorite because, like, you know why? You got a memo. Hmm. Yeah. And then they find, and they actually all end up at Amblin in Steven's office, and they're you know, all in front of Steven. And they, all three of them look at us like, uh, Steven, we were wondering, who's your favorite? And they all smile at them, and he just looks at them like, who are you people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that shit was great. I'm not sure if you're going to go into this. I don't want to step on your toes, man. But, like, it, it's very important of the positioning of Freakazoid because it was really the first original one, right? Because uh, Animaniacs was on Fox, and, and Pig in the Brain was spun off from Animaniacs. So this was, like, the first WB-born, like, uh, like yeah. Spielberg collaboration. So there was a lot riding on that show, and what could it be? I mean, this is the guy who made Tiny Toons. And for the while, <laughs> Tiny Toons had the strap. Like, it was a champion. And the man's mm-hmm. came in and he had his different flavor and had his own fan base. And I was like, mm-hmm. what else you got, Steven Spielberg? What's going to be your take this time? So I understand his side of the, the situation of saying it has to be zany, man. Family and shows, bro. Uh, but it's, it's kind of interesting how those those three characters were like, which was their favorite? All right. Now, cool. Now, let's go ahead and get into some of the actual characters themselves. Now, first off, of course, is Freakazoid. Uh, what's my Paul Rudd, which I mentioned. Uh, he basically starts out as a nerdy computer ace, as they say in the intro, Dexter Douglas. Yeah. He was also voiced by a dude named David Kaufman, who was the voice of, uh, he was the voice of Martin McFly on the Back to the Future cartoon. He was also the voice of Jimmy Olsen on Superman Animated Series. And if you actually see the guy, he looks just like fucking Michael J. Fox. He looks like, he looks like him and Michael could be brothers. But he has that same, like, kind of youthful, but old guy kind of feel to him. Uh, but yeah, he's he's Dexter and the Paul Rudd is Freakazoid. Now they're both portrayed as pretty much separate personalities that just happen to share the same body. Now the uh, overall story of how he became Freakazoid is that uh, he uh, <laughs> Dexter bought this uh, Pantheon, uh, yeah, Pinnacle uh, chip, kind of like a uh, a parody of the Pantheon chip or whatever. He puts it to his computer. He had to put in a certain code uh, to activate it, and once you uh, activate it, you hit delete. Now, on the show, the code, this very specific code is done by his cat, Mr. Chubby Keys. He's like this fat uh, uh, Garfield-looking cat or whatever. And then when he presses delete, he gets literally sucked into the internet. The entire internet is downloaded into him, which is why he loses his fucking mind and he becomes Freakazoid. And he can, he becomes Freakazoid by saying the words, freak out, and becomes Dexter by saying, freak in. And it's pretty much their version of, you know, Shazam. And, yeah. So uh, it came across that way. And his, I love his catchphrase, though. Like, well, his, was, like whenever he gets pissed off, ah, oh, nut bunnies. Like, I, I don't know why. I just like it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a nice little, you know, cursing alternative. You know, ah, nut bunnies. I, I, I think we should like, do a list of all, like, the, the cartoon curses we got. Like, like TJ Detweiler oh. saying the swamps or Ricochet being Aibasura. Like, you know, he's... Actually, actually, funny enough, I'm going into it, but like a lot of the characters over here have their own little cursing alternatives. A lot of them do. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Now, now let's, go into, yeah, let's go into Dexter's weird ass family. Now, his first one is his brother, Duncan, who's like this fucking douchebag, fucking, mm-hmm. like, you know, jock, you know, uh, all he does is lift weights, you know. And then actually, his family is excited about the prospect of him staying at home and becoming a 30 year old, 40 year old man child still living waste in his room. He's excited about it because he, he said, number one, I can bulk up and save money. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is, he always picks on Dexter, but Freakazoid always kicks his ass. You know, like, right. like every time, yeah, every time Freakazoid comes out, he's like, let's wrestle. Is, just, it, is it true, like, with, you guys have multiple siblings, is there usually one athlete and one that's not? 
or is it always like a family of, of athletes or family nerds? I mean, uh, I wasn't an athlete, and neither was my sister, so. Okay. Because neither was I. I always I always watch cartoons. They're like, there's always like one jock brother. I'm like, who's this guy? You know. I, technically, I was the jock brother, but that was by force. Of course. What? But we are. No, 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 no. What it was, I didn't. I didn't want to join this high school football team. I'll be honest with you, junior high, high school football. I didn't want to join. Yeah. I was much happier just standing in the neighborhood playing fucking, you know, fucking sideline bus, two hand touch football with my friends. Yeah. Much happier doing that. But you know, I got all these uncles and my dad like. Boy, as big as you are, you should play football. Boy, as big as you are, you should play football. Boy, as big as you are, you should play football. All right, fuck, I play football. So I did it. <laughs> I, I, got for, I got drug in for Pop Warner in junior high. And then after that, by the time I got to high school, they were doing like year round. And I was like, you know what? I, I already knew then there was no chance I was going to play in the NFL. So yeah. just yeah. when I started, I started doing more music, playing in a band, <laughs> drama, plays, that kind of stuff. Like I was like, I was like, I'm going to the arts. Forget it. <laughs> The saddest moment of my short-lived football career, and I still fuck with my parents about this to this day. Uh, when I played junior high, oh, when I played high school, the big, the big uh, game of the year was my school, Jeff Davis versus a school called Lanier, in my hometown. Both my parents graduated from Lanier. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm the one that went to Jeff Davis. Now they on my side because I'm the son and they want to support me. But you can tell very quickly they wanted to be on the Lanier side. Wow! Because yeah. I wasn't playing. I just, I just, I was just looking. I just, I was just on the field, just on the sidelines, just looking back and waving. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. And then eventually they got to the point where like, you know what? Yeah, ain't nothing going to happen. Yeah. Let the ball. Let the ball go. I played football for about two weeks. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 you can just tell the look on their face. And I fuck with them about it to this day. <laughs> Y'all want to be on there. My psyche <laughs> was damaged that day. How yeah, dare yeah. you, mama? And you wonder why I don't call y'all ass that often. <laughs> That's like 20 years ago. And you wonder why I don't call. The hurt lasts forever, man. I got The hurt, last last forever. The hurt lasts forever, man. Freak out. <laughs> All right, so back, so back to the show. <laughs> All right, and this uh, of the family, this I love the parents too. Uh, Debbie, played by Tress McNeil. And because the mom is so weird, because she's like really happy and like chirpy and shit, but she says like the most morose shit. Like, like here's like a uh, uh, oh, they Darius was talking about like uh, playing the computer. Like, uh, oh, this is my life. And she's like, oh, that's so very, very sad. <laughs> like, so, and then, oh, yeah, it's like, uh, mom, I'm gonna go do uh, this thing, or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Just go ahead and go. Like, uh, we'll <laughs> you and your dad just sit here disappointed and brokenhearted, and hopefully, we won't die before we uh, reconcile it. She's like smiling the whole time. And they have weird quirks for her. Like uh, apparently, she can eat twenty-four pizza rolls in one sitting when she's feeling peckish. And uh, her favorite show is America's Most Wanted. <laughs> That's funny. They got some weird ass fashion. Oh, and I love his dad too, uh, whose name is Douglas Douglas. He's like the stereotypical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Douglas. The dad is the stereotypical, you know, leave it to Beaver type dad or whatever. But he's so weird though. Like he's like uh, I love I love one. He loves the game Stratego. And at one point, like he's like uh, going to the door singing Stratego to himself. Like, That's no one's favorite game. That is no one's favorite game. That's the game that everyone has. But I was like, when did I get this? I don't, know like, idea. I don't know what it was. It's just how he just jumped to the, the name Stratego. That's maybe like Stratego. Stratego. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know and he, how to play that game. No one yeah. does. It, I don't know who, who buys them. <laughs> it's a fruitcake of board games. I don't understand. 
And then his weird quirks were the dad's weird quirks was he's an automobile dealer who believes there's a goblin living in the gas tank of his car. Uh, his uh, his euphemism of choice is worms and weasels. <laughs> Those are pretty gross. Yeah, and apparently he would give like these threats to his kids, like, "Hey, I'll uh, get them to game." So he's get them to behave, excuse me, by threatening to butter their heads and harpoon them, like shit, like that. Like, okay, dad. So I guess dad and mom deserve each other. That's great. And, yeah, exactly. He always like whenever there's like actual danger, he just screams like a bitch. Same <laughs> boss. Same boss. Like, oh Wow. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. Um, Freakazoid's best friend, Cosgrove, played by Ed Asner. <laughs> My favorite character, hands down. Cosgrove is so fucking funny. Like, heavy set, gruff cop. Uh, all your friends are, he's speaking this gruff ass monotone ass voice. Has no enthusiasm for anything. And, like, whenever somebody's doing some like, excitable shit, he'll just say, cut it out. And they'll stop. Whoever the fuck they are, they'll, just, they'll stop it. And he, yeah, he, he's almost supernatural to the point where he can just get anything to stop just saying cut it out. And he always interrupts Freakazoid in the middle of a mission to go to some weird shit. Like, uh, hey, and Freakazoid's like, nothing will stand in my way. Hey, Freakazoid, you want to go get him in? Okay. I guess I'm okay. Uh, voice yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, he's my favorite character, hands down. I think the legend goes that. Ed, Ed showed up and he was trying to, 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 to act the character and they're like, no, 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 just just read it how Ed Asner would read it. And he's like, you sure? Yeah, that's it. Do that. <laughs> <And he's> like, <laughs> all right, all right. And I got I to listen to some of the shit that uh, Cosgrove would get him to do. Like, uh, let's go to the Honey Harvest Festival. Ooh. And it's like this weird-ass festival. All they have is honey-based honey, sh- honey based shit. Yeah. And, uh, and merchandise. Yeah, let's go build a go-kart. Uh, let's go watch a bear riding a motorcycle. And let's go to the Great Hall of Spackle. The Great Hall. The Great not, Hall of Spackle. Not, not even the side hall that no one cares about. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, those are pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's like the Great Hall of uh, Versailles. Yeah, yeah. Now, apparently, the character was actually supposed to be only one episode, the Candlejack episode. But mm-hmm. they liked the character and the performance so much. It was like, just let's keep finding ways to bring him back. And he became a recurring character on the show. But uh, <coughs> like I said, his oh yeah, also his favorite meal on a can of hash with some coffee. Disgusting. Simple man. Hey, you got you find your thing. Seriously, I feel every 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 man has like a food or combination that you know that you can't eat when people are around, but you dig it. Like that's just my jam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One time, I, I'll tell you what, and I got so much crap from my friends. I'm gonna tell you guys we're all friends here, right? Sometimes I, I like ketchup more than most person, I guess. So my boys called me on video call. I was having wings and ketchup, and they're like, "No barbecue sauce, no ranch, no blue cheese, no, 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 no aioli." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> so that's my canned hash and coffee, if I could be. Be honest with you. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you on the ketchup side, that's pretty weak. Um, I've got Canadian family members, and uh, I don't know, I don't know how much you know about Canadians, but. Um, ketchup chips? Ketchup is their everything. Ketchup chips is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, ketchup on carrots, um, ketchup on ice cream, ketchup on mac and cheese. It gets it gets weird and, uh, frankly, my American palate, nasty pretty quick. Yeah, ice cream and ketchup. It's not even cold. Like, how does it even... All right, well... Yeah, ice cream in the fridge first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Canada. <Ugh. laughs> 
It's a little after. That sounds, yeah, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> that's not that bad. That, that's pretty normal still. It still sounds pretty gross, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and just, the wings and ketchup shit ain't really helping either. Well, I was about to say, how long have you been a psychopath? <laughs> Until you heard about okay. the containers and you're like, oh, never mind. What's that shit from, what's that, uh, what's that shit from Sling Bay? Taters. Oh, yeah. I bet I bet the freaking I'm sorry. All right, so uh uh his mentor was actually Roddy McStew, the Scotsman played by Craig Ferguson. Oh, before yeah, yeah, before yeah, before Craig Ferguson got his talk show, he was the fucking voice actor on Freakazoo. <laughs> and and of course this also this is before the Drew Carey show, I believe, too. So yeah, he got this got this gig. He's like the Scotsman. He comes in every once in a while. And he has these big things of exposition. And he complains about how much exposition he has. Like, yeah, man, like, Ronnie, that give you a lot of like. Oh, I said the same thing. I said, oh, give me all the bloody cussing uh, exposition. You know, he complains about that shit too. And of course, right. the Scotsman. So he like starts talking, and the Scottish accent gets really thick, and they can't understand him. Like they're Roddy, subtle. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, his his favorite. Uh, Cursing alternative. Crud! Oh, I was looking for something a lot more serious than that. <laughs> Crud! I, I do feel like I should take this opportunity to remind you, gentlemen. Um, I, I spent a significant amount of my developmental years in Utah, and uh, I, I know neither one of you had to endure such things, but I drove past it once. It was weird. Well, I'm just going to say they're the uh, originator of all the fake cursing in the world. I have never heard more options for ways to not say fuck shit them, or anything else. It just it gets added and added and added. There was a comedian I knew who was a local comedian. He had a whole song that was just basically paying ode to all the fake curse words that people in Utah like to use to cover over what they really mean. And he was basically hammering him. He's like, like, God doesn't know what you really meant when you said frick or frack or flipping or fetching and all this ridiculous stuff. Frickin'. I'm just saying, it can get, uh, get pretty deep pretty quick. But we do what's have... The Bill, uh, what's the Bill Cosby shit? Phil Florin, Phil Florin, Phil... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you guys have a favorite? We do have to give the most original fake cursing ever to our man from last week's episode, Mr. Chris Farley. Uh, 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 holy shnikes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out of Utah, that's straight out of Madison, so. Yeah. <laughs> we can on it pretty quick if you guys want. <laughs> do I, uh, do I have a favorite Christian alternative? No, I'm not dull. I just use cuss words. I mean, as a kid, or as like, I don't know, if you're on a no, show, as a, it's. There's a few that use cuss words, too. You yeah, but you're, you're in church now, like, you know, what's a bully? <laughs> Three collection plates. I can't. No, I'm saying like nothing like that. Or yeah, yeah, of course I'm a teenager. Like man, it's some old bullshit. Like, wow. Okay, I know how I get down. Man. Yeah. I never did it from my folks, of course. But oh. like, you know, well, but I, I'm saying, what obviously, with your no, boys, no, no, you're not no, going to say freaking. I just, I, I just didn't say nothing because, like, fuck it, if I did even attempt to, like, yeah. my dad would be like, yeah. See, well, I think it was. I ain't nothing. We couldn't even say sucks in my house growing up. You know, so but, my favorite was son of a mother. Can't get mad at that. <laughs> closest I ever got was uh, I, I got away for like five minutes with Mofo. Ooh. My parents were a little too clued in, so I think I got away with that for all about maybe maybe six hours. And they're like, hey, 
<laughs> Sit out with that. I want to hear that either. I know what it means. All right. Okay. Sit out, boy. He's my favorite one, like, my, well, it wasn't really a cuss word, but it's just something, like, kind of very hypocritical. And I like my, I, I was telling AJ, because we talked about this last week, my parents didn't really restrict me in terms of what I watched. So as right. long as it wasn't porn. So every once in a while, you know, real sex would come on HBO. Yeah. And you know like, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, uh, you can tell when they're watching it because they, they're screaming back in my room, what you watching? I'm like, cartoon? That'll be some goddamn cartoons. <laughs> Like, See, like, right. so, so you're watching it too, huh? <laughs> you're pretty much telling me. You're pretty much telling me. You're watching it too, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> She's freaking so chimpanzee. <laughs> did you ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chimpanzee. <laughs> did, did you ever see uh, Gabriel Iglesias talking about when his uh, when his stepson caught him watching some of that HBO After Dark shit? Mm-hmm. And he said there's like a delay in his house, so he said he'd be watching his room to go. Oh yeah, and then he'd hear from the other room. Oh yeah, because he could hear it. <laughs> Now, what do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jerking it. Same way in my shit, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, so back to the show. Uh, Steph, Resort's <laughs> blonde girlfriend. <laughs> he said, fuck your anecdote, AJ. Back to the pretty show. Much, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's funny, but yeah, back to the show. So, oh, so can I, I get a show uh, here, man? All right, so we don't. Okay, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna ask you a question because I, I know you're you're a fan of Freakazoid. Yeah. Do you believe in the theory that Steph was Freakazette? Yes, I do. Mm. I just, I just say, yeah. Okay, so for AJ of people who don't know, they they did a, a a musical number at the end of the first episode called Freakazoid and Friends in the style of Animaniacs, like it was Freakazoid and Friends where the insanity never ends. And then they start naming off all the different characters. And, uh, and they name off a character named Freakazette. They never do anything with the character. Apparently, they were saving the character for the third season, which never happened. But, uh, yeah, the theory was that eventually Steph, Freakazette's girlfriend, would become Freakazette. So, but yes, theory, I do believe uh, People it, say it, otherwise. It never, it never, yeah, it never, they never confirmed who Freakazette was, but nope. it's kind of like leaning towards that because the name Freakazette had the blonde hair, too. So. Well, Freakazoid's hair was brown when he was Dexter and black when he was Freakazoid. I don't mean that. But, it, but she had a similar face and similar body and the blonde hair. So I'm like, it's kind of All right, you know. You, you decide. <laughs> yeah, that's the other half of it, too, is if it wasn't, then presumably Freakazette would want to hook up with Freakazoid. So if it's, if it's not going to be Steph, then that means they're introducing a new potential love character. Interest. So that's character, gonna yeah. the whole world off. So it makes great. sense to go on the Steph side. But, I mean, I guess I could see the other side, too. I always thought it was... Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, Freakazoid's assistance and like, because uh, he had the Freaka Lair, his own little bat cave and shit. Uh, and the first one that I love is Ingmar, fucking cock, fucking cock-eyed ass uh, uh, butler. Like yeah. that's, that's In- he always says like that's Ingmar, my mute butler. He's mute. Like. <laughs> yeah. He I keeps mentioning the fact that he's mute. Like you just you just cock-eyed ass dudes just standing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And then and then they reveal in one of the episodes that he actually quit uh working for Freakazoid to become a rodeo clown. See, that's where I got it from. I always had a runaway when I was a kid, I was a runaway and become a rodeo clown. And my mom my mom'd be like, All right, boy, do it. I ain't gonna go support you, but go ahead and do it. Yeah. My mute my mute butler. <laughs> you want a mute butler, yeah. otherwise you end up with Alfred taking some chick down to your lair every five minutes. But the motherfucker he actually ended up with was uh fucking Professor Jones. 
<laughs> who was played, who's uh, like I mentioned, played by Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space. And they always mention the fact that like like you sound like the dude from that show with the robot. Uh, they, always, they always keep mentioning Lost in Space and like and he always he's like this super uh, obnoxious fucking uh, British man doesn't do doesn't doesn't like doing any chores even though he's a butler. Doesn't like cooking, doesn't do like doing nothing, and freaking all like scaring the shit out of him. So he's like, oh freaking all you mini. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody keeps mentioning like, weren't you on that show with a robot? No, I wasn't on that show. Right. Was that Yeah, but then he actually they actually catch him one episode. He else he says, uh, it will never end. We're lost in space. And he stops himself. <laughs> he stops That's himself cool. from saying lost in space. That's so. I, that's awesome. Like I, again, as a kid, you're kind of like, why are y'all freaking out? But now, like I said, adult references. And also, uh, they have the announcer Joe Leahy, who always would get involved in the storyline. He would like, you know, and he would always have these weird ass announcements in the middle of the show. You interrupt this program to give you a very special announcement. I love you. Now back to the show. <laughs> and another one is like he did an episode for Relax Old Vision. Was like this episode is dedicated to anybody who's ever been. This episode is also dedicated to the staff of Columbia University, whose continued efforts to create us a race of super beings are not going anymore. We also like to thank uh, Grace Hugbees from uh, Fuller Earth, uh, Arizona, mainly because of the fact we like saying the word Hugbees. Try saying it, Hugbees, and then there's the re- the gag throughout the whole episode. He says Hugbees for no fucking reason. Very Monty Python, man. It's absurd. Very Monty Python. And then at one point they actually. They bring in Joe into the show, and he's like, uh, like apparently he's a good uh, announcer, but a horrible actor. Like, they try giving him dialogues, like, you need some acting lessons, sir. And he, <laughs> it's just silly shit like that, man. I love this show. Oh, and his uh, failed sidekicks, which they have, he has like whole segments of episodes dedicated to his failed sidekick, the Sidekick Chronicles. The first one was Handman, which was basically just him fucking drawing a face on his hand like this is a hand puppet. <laughs> and then of course, yeah, and then Hand Man eventually falls in love with Hand Girl, and they get married. <laughs> and Freakazoid presides over the wedding. And the funniest thing about it is they do the wedding, and then there's like a kissing scene with it. <laughs> and they do this for like a full 30 seconds to a minute just of these two hands. Doing shit. I wonder what the censors are thinking. Like, are they gonna like, consummate? Like, you? I don't know. I'm surprised that some things got by. For real, that's the end of the. That's the end of the segment when they're in the fucking honeymoon. And the, like, I hope he's. I hope they end up better than this other couple. You see his feet also the same way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and then another one I like, um, Expendable Lad, which is basically this guy in this really hokey costume who gets fucking up. He's getting fucked up or whatever. Oh yeah, they fight a dude named Milkman, and he, like the milk, uh, he like shoots out like milk shit or whatever from a gun, and keeps hitting Expendable Boy. Apparently, he was taken, he was taken to the hospital because he got uh, injuries from a from a bruised clavicle because of all the fucking uh, milk being sprayed on. I don't know how that happened. Whoa! <laughs> a bruised, a bruised clavicle. Whew. Oh man! I'll make something up that happened to me. Uh, it was ninjas, man. I don't know. Yeah. Man. And uh, Foamy the Freaka Dog. Yeah, Foamy. Foamy the Freaka Dog. So I, don't, like, I don't remember yeah. where it came from, but I, didn't it, were there toys at one point at McDonald's? 
or like Burger King or, or Wendy's. I, I could what I had a foamy. It's very possible. Yeah. It's very possible. But yeah, foamy is basically just this rabbit ass dog he found in a goddamn uh, dog catcher thing. And the dog is not even like likable. He's just like he's attacking him. Like, and he sees like rabbit because it got foaming at the mouth. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so he puts it in a fucking freakazoid costume. And every time we were like, freak, freak a dog, help me. And the dog would just attack him. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept doing that shit. But he loved Foamy the Freaky Dog. That's a dog named Foamy. That's, that's, Foamy that's absolutely dog. absurd. <laughs> like some guy yeah. sitting in the writer's room. Call it Foamy. Yeah. You think, yeah. And some of his assistants and some of his missions include uh, celebrities, Norm Abram, which I mentioned before, Leonard Malton, and Henry Kissinger. For some reason. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the Henry, yeah, Henry Kissinger. Kiss, Henry Kissinger yeah. was, was, was an assistant to Freakazoid on the mission. Why? <laughs> uh, for, for, for those kids who don't know, uh, Henry Kissinger was former Secretary of State during the Nixon administration, right? Yeah, he negotiated the end of the Vietnam War, the, uh, was the Paris uh, Peace Accord with the, the Vietnamese. And possibly maybe made a career some war crimes. He had a lot of stuff. It was a long career. He was also on the board of Enron for a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not a war crime, but... Uh... but yeah, just, you know, just, you know, just white... This is a white-collar pyramid scheme. I'm just... Yeah. Crazy. Got around a bit. By the way, you could become an affiliate uh, dropping that culture by calling this number below. <laughs> I don't want Henry Kissinger no one near this motherfucker. <laughs> Go to Belsiverse at teespring.com. Don't, no, don't, don't bring them away. You go to fucking, you go to goddamn U.S. hooker or whatever the fuck you got. Right. No, they go nowhere near Belsiverse. <laughs> Why are you burying his gimmicks, man? He buried my shit. Bill, go over there. Bill, go over there. You yeah. Go to Belsiverse. Go to fucking Teespring. Go to, no, fuck you, dude. Go to U.S. hooker. Go to that shit. Uh, that's awesome. Motherfucker. Let's get to some of Freakazoid's enemies before I get pissed off. <laughs> All right, first off, The Load. Yes. By, uh, voiced by David Warner, who is pretty much Freakazoid's main arch enemy. Super genius, but his head is basically this giant exposed brain, basically. And he's, uh, despite, his, despite, his, yeah, despite his high intellect, he's always getting outsmarted by fucking Freakazoid. Uh, usually, usually Freakazoid just make fun of his stupid-ass plan and be like, you know, that's stupid. Like, you know, social like that or whatever. But there are certain episodes where he actually gets be the better of Freakazoid, one of which we're going to get to a little bit later. But I love I the fact that they got... Yeah, 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 I know. And I love the fact they got David Warner because the fact he's the voice of fucking Rock, Ray Shagul on Batman animated series. And like that, that Rico distinct voice. I'm like, oh, uh, they got Ray to fucking be the low? Yeah. Oh, you call him Ray Okay. Well, it, Raj, Raish, I think Raish is actually the uh, intended pronunciation. Uh, this is this is a nerd check moment because <laughs> where there was a fight at WonderCon uh, one year, I was in the yeah, crowd. Yeah, I, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Oh uh, man, people like, yo, is it Raj or is it Raish? Because I'm Green Lantern, Green Arrow. You do this and this and this and this. And um, the writer, Kreisberg, Kreisberg at the time, yeah. he was saying that, well, we really want to call it Raish, but then the network says Raj needs to understand. So we basically said. If you're inside the League of Shadows, you say Raish. If you're outside, it's Raz. Everyone's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. I saw World Peace for just a second. <laughs> it calmed everyone down. And actually, this, this is actually another piece of news I, I forgot to mention. The dude that actually created Raz Al Ghul or Raish Al Ghul, uh, Denny O'Neill, just passed away this past yes. week. 
So yeah. And since we mentioned Batman the animated series, a lot of the stories on Batman the animated series were based on Danny O'Neill's stories, particularly the Rachel Gould stories. And one another one another one that I really love is I think it's like Moon of the Wolf, or one of the, one of the other ones is also Danny O'Neill and like Lynn Mead and all those great characters. A lot of great comic book creators were you know, contributors to Batman animated series. Danny O'Neill was one of them. But his uh, to me, his best work was the Green Lantern, Green Arrow social commentary uh, comic in the seventies. We had this super conservative Green Lantern and super liberal Green Arrow, and going across the country pretty much in a Winnebago almost basically fighting crime and also dealing with social issues, you know, dealing with racism, dealing with drugs. And then the famous issue that they have on it, they had one where like uh, Green Arrow's psychic Speedy was called as a heroin addict. And, you know, that, they did stuff like that, which was revolutionary in the 70s. So um, just to segue, rest in peace, did O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the other villains they had on there, Cobra Queen, played by Tress McNeil. This is her origin. She was hot. Yeah. Yeah, Audrey Manatee was a, <laughs> was a great name. Uh, former shoplifter who had an encounter with a very experimental cosmetic that got left in the sun too long and it turned into a reptile. <laughs> okay. It gave her the ability to command snakes and other reptiles. And this is, and she has this like uh, layer in the sewers, which nobody likes to go to because of the fact that, you know, she like everybody hates to smell of poo gas on the show. It's not like poo gas down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, at one point, Freakazoid suggests you get some like Chinese lanterns to kind of brighten up the place. And <laughs> no, and then also he keep fucking with her because she has a lisp and making her say like Sally, uh, Super Sally has sense. you know those tongue twister type shit just to yeah. fuck with her. Yeah, yeah, and uh, apparently uh, her and Cave Guy, which I'm gonna mention a little bit too, are a couple. And yeah, they always going on dates and shit. So hey, get your freak on when you're a villain, I guess. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of cave guy, cave guy, uh, uh, played by Jeff Bennett, big brutish blue caveman type dude. But the thing about it is, he has upper class, upper class education and diction, and apparently he's a subscriber to the New Yorker. And uh, <laughs> his real name is uh, yeah, his real name is Royce Mumphrey. And he speaks with that goddamn uh, uh, wasp lockjaw, like Thurston Howard the Third and shit. Oh, it's a scrub to the New Yorker. You know that shit. <laughs> right. Oh, I went to the. I I went to that restaurant. I found it to be atrocious. You know, that shit. Atrocious. <laughs> atrocious. Yeah. That's a word people, uh, the Karens always use, but uh, atrocious. Even yeah. Jads. And yeah, yeah and Karen. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, we, uh, did he, was he in on the chairs? Yeah, he was in on the Chad thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. So male male Karen's a chance. Yeah. Okay. For for those for those who don't know, because it's on uh, on my personal account, we we did a, a small scientific poll to try to determine what the male version of a Karen is, and we were able to determine it is a Chad, unless you're on the East Coast, in which case it's a Todd. But the most important thing at the end of the day is that they're all a bunch of Richards. <laughs> you got that all wrapped up there, then you know. Kind of who you're talking to. Basically, yeah. Fucking chads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, uh, just one little weird fact about Cave Guy. Apparently, he has an odd fear of Klingons. <laughs> just a ran- that was that like, random ass fact about something. Yeah, yeah how does it even Klingons. pay off, really? <laughs> he, he, hates Kling- he hates Klingons. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Another weird villain, Longhorn. 
uh, played by Maurice LaMarche. Uh, his real name is uh, Jabel Bull Nelson. He's a former employee of the Johnny Kitty Kitty Litter Company until he turns to a life of crime. Of uh, because, he was, because, because he was being pursued by law enforcement so frequently, he actually had plastic surgery to turn himself into a humanoid steer. Texas Longhorn, legit Longhorn. So he drives easier to see, like I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> he drives this massive monster truck named Bessie May. Uh, his aspirations, yeah, his aspirations include uh, one day becoming a Nashville country singer. <laughs> and he's apparently he's on America's Most Wanted every week, <laughs> which is Texas' favorite monster of a show. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, this this next one is my favorite of the villains. Armando Gutierrez, played by Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, they have uh, the, the the caricature of uh, Gutierrez is basically Ricardo Montalban. They drew him exactly as Ricardo Montalban. The only difference is they put an eye patch on him, but it's Ricardo Montalban. And it's the same. And they always mention all the different like, roles he played, particularly... Khan in Star Trek Two, rather Khan, and, uh, <laughs> and he always, uh, yeah, he technically he's he's uh, Freakazoid's first enemy because the fact that the chip that turned Freakazoid into Freakazoid came from Gutierrez's company, uh, Apex uh, Microchips, and also Roddy apparently was a, an employee. Roddy McStew was an employee at Apex and warned of the chip's possibilities and was fired as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the recurring jokes for Gutierrez is that he always has people laugh with him. Whenever he does, <laughs> laugh with me. I'm going to use that. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, party. I do that shit too all the time. <laughs> laugh with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people join in or they're kind of like, okay, or now. Nah. Oh, yeah. His, uh, his biggest flaw is that he hates being called a weenie. <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no
Freakazoid eventually stops him and uh, he ends up falling to this like bottomless pit. He returns again as like the cyborg with like half his face turned into a robot for some fucking reason. And uh, but yeah, like I said, they always mention the fact that he's like Khan. And I remember one little diatribe where he like goes off on a tangent. And he does the whole uh, revenge is a dish best served cold, get down. But he does it like revenge is a dish best served. <laughs> <laughs> and he, does, uh, he, he actually starts slipping. It. Oh, Kirk, my old friend. He's like, oh, stop myself. Yeah. So, so he starts getting into the whole con thing. Uh, but uh, my favorite one is like he comes back as the hooded character. He's like doing like a, the Phantom of the Opera shit with the major organ. But he starts singing like the all around the more bush. Yeah, this tastes the weenie. Crunch goes the weenie. <laughs> Laugh with me. <laughs> so wait, is, is like top three? Is this Gutierrez is your top three or top top villain? Your favorite? He's my he's my top villain. I love okay. he's, my, he's my favorite of the three zones. Fair enough. My ne- the next one after that is my oh yeah oh yeah and um, Gutierrez's assistant Jocko he's like this little like uh, weird little dude he just <laughs> and, he, and AJ watched this episode too he's like uh, please forgive Jocko he used to work for Bobby Knight <laughs> damn that is, that's so, deep cut for your kids so that's so that's what happens to you when you work for Bobby Knight <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but yeah my next one is a big favorite of mine Candle Jack. I love that's the one I really wanted you to watch is Candlejack again. We watch and we watch Candlejack here at my house together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so fuck. Candlejack was one of the layovers of Candle. the Bruce Tim era, you know. Yeah. Uh, his design it looks like a Bat- Batman villain, and uh, it was one of those things where he had the design just hanging around, and it was the best the best premise. Just don't say his name. What <laughs> Candlejack? So it was like the best way of having the scary character. But then you also had like the the, the the goofiness of the of Candle Jack being like, damn it, I have to get more rope, you know, and that was a pretty dope episode. Thoughts about him? Oh shit, man. He went uh, he went Mickey Mouse on us. <laughs> well now that, that we're gonna have a little bit of a break. Now Candlejack's pretty dope for two reasons and two reasons. One, one, you could dress up like him because since then it became this giant meme thing. People were like dressing up like Candlejack at parties and it was like Slender Man and stuff like that. And two, that was the second episode ever. But now you really know what Frickasaur was about, like how exactly he was going to save the day. Like he doesn't really punch anybody. He doesn't like put anyone in headlocks. He just kind of like falls into something. And in fact, it just gets voiceovered. <laughs> Be Candlejack. Like this like uh, Paul Harvey clone was like, and now you know. The rest of the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so weird. What what was what would you say was your uh, your your top um, villain in the Freakazoid uh, universe? I, I like. Hey, what's up? I I like the low because it was just so weird to see. Like it was a brain that had a mouth and eyes, you know. Yeah. And it was like, and I understand working so hard and, and losing every time. That's pink in the brain stuff. But like, if a talking brain spent all of his time trying to destroy you or me. I'll be freaked out. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just asking him what his uh, his favorite villain was. Well, uh, well, you you dropped off there for a second, so we had a quick sojourn back to the lobe. Yeah, I figured as much. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this uh, stuff's only gonna last as long as we're stuck having to do this apart. As soon as we get back to being uh, together. Yeah, when we get back, yeah, we need to get back together, dude. Like this shit. Oh my god. 
COVID shit's not culture. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Flobo. Ain't time, man. Candlejack. <laughs> See, yeah, like I was saying, Candlejack. <laughs> I never invited back. You, you done with me. You don't ask me back in no more. <laughs> but like I was saying before I got cut off, that uh, the voice of uh, Candle Jack is basically Jack Pounds from when he did uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. So um, that's what they got the voice from. So Believe it or not. That's you. And uh, another character, uh, Waylon Jeepers, which is actually in the first episode where he's like this weird little dude clutching whatever this is. Oh, yeah, he has the clock that can turn beavers into gold for some reason. And, like, he just keeps coming back in different episodes. Another weird one. One of my favorites is actually uh, Invisible, uh, which is, like, uh, he's supposed to be, like, this Egyptian pharaoh who, like, you find in a cave. And, like, the only way you can see him is, like, he's constantly holding this staff with, like, a jackal's head on it. And he's, like, just causing all this damage with it and shit. And then they actually have a song for him. Like, where did he go? That Invisible. It's actually very catchy. That's always catchy, yeah. Yeah, very catchy. Uh, and a couple other ones. Another one I like is Arms Akimbo, who was basically this character where he's like, uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, with the arms out. He was like a, a model, but his, like his arms got stuck from years of being a model. And he, yeah. was just, he was just stuck like this. So he keeps fucking with people with his arms like this. I didn't know that arms. was actually the word to much later, what that meant. <laughs> yeah, arms Akimbo, yeah. 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 Uh, and the last one of uh, the villains is uh, Dr. Mystico. Played by Tim Curry. I was, yeah, like and he's. Yeah, it basically is a, a parody of the Island of Doctor Moreau, but yeah. with super with the Superzoid characters. And he, yeah, it was Tim Curry as a Doctor Mystical. He just being Tim Curry, you know, loud and outrageous and shit. So, and uh, but I did like the villains. I like I liked a lot of the villains. Like some of the other characters, like uh, Moron or Boron. Like the uh, I am Moron. This giant dumbass alien. Like, he really had, yeah, he really had no aesthetic value to the show other than that. He just, oh well, the only going thing to note about that one that was the first time the censors got involved. That was the first time the advertiser were in the poll. That's why his name changed to, for to, from moron to boron because yeah, and they actually mentioned it on the show. Like, what's his name, moron or boron or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely done by the censors, being like, you can't do that. <laughs> And another character I like after that, another one of those weird-ass characters, Fanboy, yeah. uh, voiced by Stephen First, who's basically every kid that you see at Comic-Con now. This is like 96, 97, way before that was like huge. But like those guys like that have been around forever. And this one happens to be this obese, acne-stricken, glasses-wearing fanboy, literally, who is a big fan of Freakazoid and is constantly quoting shit from like the Black Hole and Star Wars and uh, like he's like you see him like chasing down like George Takai and Mark Hamill and all these people like that. Yeah, yeah, and just constantly wants to be a uh, freakazoid sidekick, and then uh, like constantly mention like different episodes. Remember the episode we did this, the episode you did that, like episode uh, and then it does the, the uh, episode numbers, episode number uh, forty six, uh, scene seven, like okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he goes that deep into the shit. Uh, oh yeah, another character I like. Hero Boy. Uh, Hero, yeah, Hero Boy is basically their version of Astro Boy. It's yeah. like this Japanese cartoon. And it's like, uh, I must succeed. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, yeah, and the thing about it is they would have to summon the shit they used to summon Hero Boy was so weird. They have two fat sumo wrestlers fucking like, holding hands and shit, doing a little dance, and then they hold hands and say, Hero Boy! Which would never happen and today. And they, they summoned Zero Boy. And then Hero Boy would arrive and have a big fanfare. to be like a giant Godzilla-like monster. And he would just come in and just start beating on the... <laughs> and eventually he would give up. <laughs> and that was it. That was to, to, to what you were just saying, though, Flobo, and that's, and that's actually the sad thing, because like on the one hand, if you were to go and make this show today, right, you're probably not going to make it for network television. You're going to do it for a streamer. So your restrictions, as far as dealing with censors, goes way down but the reality is the flip side with what you got with all the the pc the pc side of the culture and the way people are kind of forcing this new censorship it would be probably in some way far worse you know what i mean oh like, yeah you wouldn't be able to actually push it the way that you want to push it to be able to find i mean granted you watch something like big mouth like they don't even give a shit they're just like screw it we're gonna keep going south park is, has already proven like you can push it as far as you want to go yeah. But uh, I feel like somebody, especially like, you know, Spielberg being as mainstream as he is, well, there's a part of me that would love to see him do Freakazoid today because I feel like there's a lot less ridiculousness on the way some of the censors go, like even the moron to boron thing. Yeah. Might not even be as good because now you're, you're constantly worried, well, who's going who's gonna to be out there, you know, with the, the, the Twitter mob protesting or maybe an actual group protesting because they didn't like a joke. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. I don't know if you how much time we have on the show about censorship because there is like people say because I do comedy. Uh, for those who don't know who are listening who do comedy, they always say, "Oh man, you know, it, 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 comics who complain about offending people shouldn't do it. You shouldn't be able to say things that offend people." And I tell those though, I, I write jokes not knowing how it's going to offend someone. When I first started doing comedy, I had a joke about me, a black man. For those of you who are listening to this. Uh, if I ever got to Africa, I wouldn't survive because I'm so American that the culture is different. And so I would do a joke about there's a there's a it's a big uh, species of cricket. It's called a uh, Parktown prawn. But the idea it's like a seven inch long cricket that exists in Southern Africa. So I had this joke being like, if I saw a cricket the size of a coffee table, I would run. That joke is clearly about me. But I remember being pulled aside after a show and someone goes, you know what? I hate the fact that Africa is always portrayed as having these bugs or being backwards or whatever. So someone was offended at a joke that wasn't even the intent. I think that's the difference between then and now. Of course, I'm not doing I'm on stage doing jokes being, you people are like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now I have to think about what sensibilities are. I mean, Actually, uh, I was going to say, have you ever heard of a comedian on YouTube called Long Beach Riffy? No. Well, he does a bit similar to that where he does sketch comedy. And then he's like a stand-up comedian, like, hey, how are you folks doing today? Uh, folks, you hear voices in the background. Uh, folks, uh, there are women in the audience too. And then they're like, what about the transgender? What, you, what, you about, that? what about that? Like, uh, everybody, uh, human? Like, uh, hey, humans. Yeah, humans. I found the word human offensive. And then he, uh-huh. he just like, oh my God, he didn't exasperate a gasp. That's hate speech. Hmm. I had so much respect for you until you said something that offended me. It just like goes on and on. And on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just dying up there, like fucking just trying to like, <laughs> just hacking away, like please love me, you know? Yeah, basically. Anybody who's who's a, a fan of of the the art of comedy, specifically stand up comedy, nobody's going to disagree when you you throw Dave Chappelle in there as one of the greatest of all time, right? Oh yes, definitely. he's earned that pass though. 
I'm just saying he's he the dude set the, the the pass and all the rest of that aside. What I'm saying about this guy, you can't argue that when it comes to this art form, he's one of the greatest that's ever lived. Sure, he's still doing his thing, right? Mm-hmm. He even stood up himself and said, essentially, people need to calm the hell down and to butt out. And if you're offended, well, maybe that's your problem. You should work on it. And you got to give you got to give comedians and creative folks the opportunity to go out and do stuff. And you know what? I mean, it's kind of really the the frustrating thing, like. If you roll it back, you know, remember, I, I'm sure because we all grew up watching the same shows when we were kids, like uh, you saw um, uh, what was it? Married with Children. Married with Children almost got canceled until what happened? Some housewife in the Midwest saw it, was offended, and created this whole big thing to go out and push it. And what did everyone say when they pushed back and started watching that show and then ended up getting it this incredible run? If you don't like it, change the channel. If you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like it, uh, patronize it. The Streisand effect. Yeah, and it's, uh, the thing is, like, at this point t- today, I mean, like, literally, there are so many options. There's so many people creating content. You don't like some, don't watch it. Don't support it. Guess what? If nobody else thinks it's funny, they're not going to last. If other people think it's funny, well, let them go do their thing. I mean, that used to be, like, you know, that's the whole point, right? The First Amendment, the whole thing is, like, you should be able to explore and, and do whatever you want to do. I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you listen to, uh, you know, ban this, ban that, like, my personal opinion, I kind of don't want to ban hate speech because I want people to think it's okay. You know why? Because when I hear hate speech, I go, oh, well, you're an asshole, so I know to stay away from you. I don't, I don't want you on guard covering up what a piece of shit you might actually be in real life because you might waste my time and I might end up patronizing whatever it is you're doing or listening to you for a while. And then, you know, six months later and however much money I've supported by supporting what you do, I find out like, oh, well, you're actually just a piece of shit. Well, I don't <laughs> waste. I'd rather be able to find out right away and be like, oh, not my cup of tea. You know what right. I mean? You, you, sir, are not my cup of tea. But, but to, to answer your original question, I feel like there was a time in the 2000s where that those kind of zany kids shows went to cable, SpongeBob, right? That's mm-hmm. the closest thing we have to that. And now if you're doing something, it has to be completely slapstick for kids, like on Cartoon Network, or it's going to be specialized, like hey, it's on HBO Max or what have you, or in our well, so also on Adult Swim. Adult yeah. Swim. So like that, like that toe the line thing doesn't exist anymore because there's no line to toe. You know what I mean? I think the only humor thing on the planet that sees a line and goes like this is Yunyun, and that's it. Everyone just says, "I'm either going to go full pale or bring her back and be safe." Yeah. Okay. Well, and I appreciate your perspective because I mean, like, you know, me and me and JD are working on the writing angle side of stuff. But I mean, you're literally, you know, at the tip of the spear doing stand up, standing up in front of folks, you know, yeah. and doing your performance, mm-hmm. writing jokes, trying jokes, trying to figure out how to how to make it hit with the timing and the rest of it. And I mean, dude, we, me and JD have talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. That scares the shit out of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Right. My thing is, every comic gets out there and says the world's too sensitive. I think that's too easy. I think it, it, it's not everyone is too sensitive. The thing is between now and back then is that no matter what you feel, you can find thousands of people that feel the same way about you. If you love pineapple on pizza, you can get an army on Facebook by tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I, I've been pulled aside. I don't like your joke, and that's fine. But the difference now with scarce comedians now is I don't like that joke. Let's find out where he does to get his money and get him fired. And that is a whole other level, you know? Uh, boo me, yeah, yeah. boo me yeah. and send me home. Yeah. I'll, I'll think yeah, about what I did. Culture, yeah, but don't don't get my, myself there on the street, so. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to make a living here, just like you. So fucking mm-hmm. chill out. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so now that we had this censorship diatribe, which I really did enjoy. You know, what I'm <laughs> okay, to, back to the story. Now, this next character, I know AJ loves. I never heard of this character before this show. It's, re- it's basically based on a real person, uh, Paul Harvey. Oh, yeah. Yes, Freakazoid. Yes, Freakazoid. Yeah, and for those, for those of you, yeah, for those of you who don't know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Paul Harvey apparently used to do, like, the show like, on PBS called The Rest of the Story of where he well, would do, he, like, He'd do, yeah. do, uh, do little radio spots. So you'd hear him, like, I, I remember as a kid, like, my dad would be driving me to school or something in the morning, and you'd hear it. So it'd be, like, it'd be like a little five- or ten-minute little vignette. Uh, I think what's his name? The dude from Deadliest Catch has been doing a similar version, his own version of it now as a podcast. But it's basically like a little vignette where he tells you some story um, that, you know, is somewhat inspirational about somebody who overcame something. Like, uh, you know, one of them was like the, the, first, uh, the first woman uh, millionaire who happened to have been born a slave and all this stuff that happened. He'll tell you this whole story. And then at the end, he'll hear, oh, here's the person's name or some story about, uh, you know, some lifeguard who saved somebody. And then you find, oh, that was Ronald Reagan. And then his tagline at the end of whatever the story was is, and now you know the rest of the story. I'm Paul Harvey. Good day. <laughs> but Freakazoid, like, yes, Freakazoid had a plan. It involved steel and mortar and bricks and pie. What we could not know, what he could not know, is that Freakazoid had a nice piece of plump pumpkin pie. Smacked me with a handle and one candle jack. That funny boogeyman would come down and be like, and you go off on these little weird things like, I think there's a boom jack under my fanny. Yeah. Yeah, basically, if you don't, if you didn't grow up with yeah. conservative parents, you will never hear yeah. it. So it came like the last fifteen minutes of the hour, and it was like between the shows, like when the first guy was leaving and the second guy was going. But yeah, it, it's a definitely specific thing. So like, I feel like if you grew up in a household where didn't listen to that kind of stuff, people were like who? <laughs> so I always thought hard, hard, hard. My dad was a thing. It was like the it was like the drop in for AM radio. So like you know, mm-hmm. if your parents listen to like the the well whatever they said, like some conservative thing, or if they're going to listen to, like, even the traffic or whatever in the morning if they had a commute, you're going to hear it. That's just mm-hmm. the way it was. Right, right when you're getting dropped off at school for that 750 bell. Yeah. And he, and he would always end the shit. And now you know the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Harvey. No, you, good day. <laughs> you hit you with the good day. Yeah. yeah. And apparently, and the re- yeah. upward inflection on day. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason they picked Paul Harvey, because apparently the writer Paul Rudd was apparently a programmer on Harvey's show. So uh, he gave he had been working on it for years and it gave him time to hone the Paul Harvey impersonation. So when the Animaniacs writers actually won the Peabody Award for whatever, Harvey was actually there and gave his acceptance speech. And every every time he kept saying Peabody, he would pause between the P and the body. Peabody. Yeah. Like just like the impression the old boys do. <laughs> yeah, you won't forget it, man. It, it's like weed. When you smell weed the first time, you'll never be like, what's that? You know exactly what it is. <laughs> That's Paul Harvey. It's like Paul Harvey. Yeah. Yeah, and the smack me with the ha- yeah, all, yeah, all that smack me with the handle shit. Apparently, that was like a ramp up for the impression. So that he would say shit like that. Yeah, I, it was weird. Like he was one of those uh he was one of those voices that was so original and so distinct, you couldn't mistake him for anybody else. It was really weird. Yeah. And that was the same one they had the uh, they had the Bavarian people slapping each other. It was in the yeah, middle of the yeah, Paul Harvey yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the people were dancing and happy. And you see the Bavarian people slapping each other. Wearing leader hosen or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then they actually get him at the end. And he's like in the cage with Cam's like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. All right, so let's see the other uh, some of the oh, some of the superheroes that they had. Uh now the superheroes on this show, other than Freakazoid, were pathetic. <laughs> but how they were all you? funny in their own. They were all funny in their own right, though. My first one is a uh, Lord Bravery, uh, who was basically what if John Cleese from Faulty Towers was a superhero? So just like pissed off British man. Hey, this don't with it. You know, he's just constantly complaining about everything and everything. Like if you watch those skits, Lord Bravery skits are basically Monty Python's. Their versions of it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, and, and you always you hear you always hear somebody in the background that sounds like uh, what's the name Terry Jones. I'm not thinking some shit like that, you know what I'm saying? So it always sounds like a, it was always like a Python episode. And apparently his real name is Nigel Skunkfolk. Uh, at one at one point he actually had to change his name due to a copyright dispute from Lord Bravery to Lord Smokeboots and Fishes. <laughs> Because wow. apparently there was a Lord, there was a Lord Bravery Bakery, and apparently they came first before he became a superhero. So <laughs> why they why they picked that particular name, I don't know. But yeah, it, it's really weird. And uh, his uh, theme song was very similar to the uh, British Tad is a sword and so that shit. Uh, but it's Lord Bravery, so it, it's just and then it, he stays at home with his wife and his mother in law, who always nags the shit out of him. So it's basically like Faulty Towers. If you ever watch that show. Mm. So it's it's really funny character. Uh, oh yeah, another one I like, the Huntsman. That's my favorite man. Yeah, if you look at his intro, you would think he he's the dopest motherfucker on the show. That's right. You, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's in you know, in life. You need more intros. What you need? Yeah, and then the thing the thing about it is you see it like they uh like the, the premise of the show is like some cop goes up to the top of the police headquarters. It's this gigantic horn called the Horn of Urgency. And it gets like, duh, 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 and it can be heard across to the to the fucking forest where the camera pans to the forest. You see, you always see the huntsman like wrestling a fucking bear for some reason. Manly he's sitting there wrestling, the, wrestling the bear until he's called, and he starts running to the city at super speed and shit. And they had the big intro hunt, hunt, hunt. He's the huntsman into action. Yes, he is crying. I mean, he sucked on screen, but you have his own show. That intro there was yeah. fine, man. It was like, oh, he goes, he has a day. <laughs> Exactly. Wasn't wasn't Lord Bravery? Wasn't he the one that gets stuck down the manhole with the guy? The, the, the guy is stuck in the manhole. Yeah, eventually he gets stuck yeah. in the manhole with the guy. But there's a guy stuck in the manhole and complaining about, uh, uh, "Are you Superman? No, I'm not Superman. Can you get Superman? No, no, I'm not Superman." He's <laughs> like, "I'm not like I'm not gonna do that. There's pure gas and stuff like that. Superman will save me. I'm not Superman." Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, like I said, like a Monty Python skit. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I showed him that one, the, the sewer thing. We're, we're just, that's what I was saying about we watched the last time we were hanging out together. That was so funny. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, oh yeah, they give the origin of the Huntsman in the theme song. Like, apparently he was a skinny hunter named Marty E. Who, uh, just like the song says, through one day he saved a chunky elf from being eaten by a crow. <laughs> so the elf awarded Marty P with a magic sack of corn. He got strength and speed 
and shiny teeth, and then the Huntsman was reborn. And that's how the, the origin of the Huntsman. I got. I don't remember that word. That song had lyrics. I just thought it was dope. <laughs> yeah, the magic sack of corn is what gets me. <laughs> oh yeah, we, uh, definitely. I didn't know they were actually like, narrating what's happening. Yeah, they narrate. They, and then yeah, you go ahead. That's one of the things, Flugo, you're gonna love. The, the more you get to hang out with with JD. He remembers verbatim so much from so many shows. Oh yeah, it's a, it's amazing. It's really phenomenal. Because there's, I mean, look, the three of us. Let's be honest, we're a bunch of geeks. We watched a bunch of this shit. I, I don't even want to. It would be really depressing if we figured out the number of hours we've spent watching different TV shows and cartoons and movies and everything else. We retain a lot. I know you retain a lot based on our conversations. JD's next level, man. I mean, the the well, John Cho was in the scene of Bowfinger. You know that? <laughs> like, I'm like going, holy crap! Like, I didn't even catch that. That's Stupid. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You didn't know? Uh, I got right. you. I respect the hell out of that. As soon as you said that phrase, like, uh, that many hours watching cartoons and movies, and I started, actually started to think about that. Oh, shit. <laughs> That, but, but here's the good news. Cartoons. Like, do, like, Cartoons like, do I want to say that? Do I, I want to say how many I allow? <laughs> well, but because we're all in the entertainment industry and we all work in different areas and it technically is industry research and, you know. Yeah, so I write it off my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do the same thing. Thank you, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> got to be up on the latest trends if we're going to be writing and, you know, directing and all the rest of the stuff that we do, right? So Yeah, you got to know what the fuck's going on, man. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but real quick, back to the Huntsman. The caveat to each episode is he would have this big intro. He would finally make it to fucking police headquarters. And we would, like, beat the, so what's going on? And he'd be like, nothing. <laughs> like, so, somebody, somebody hit the call. Somebody hit the horn of urgency. Oh, it was some rookie. He was fucking. <laughs> he, he was like, oh. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and then his voice, his voice is like Charlton Heston. And so he's like, oh, uh, so what are you doing right now? Nothing. Oh, uh, I heard there's a monster truck rally a little bit later. You wanna wanna go? Nah, I'm, I'm going with my wife. It's not really Oh, okay. And he walks away. Darn the luck. Darn. <laughs> that was amazing, man. I, I always and, it, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> it's always that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Yeah, but he's always darn the luck. Darn. That's his cussing alternative. John, the, the, the Charlton Heston, John, the look, John. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah, they also did a full on uh, Johnny Quest parody, Toby Danger. Oh, really good. Yeah, <laughs> they did a really good job because it looks just like the whole 60s animation and shit. And, yeah. I and never they, got oh, Johnny yeah. Quest. They, they, they rebooted that franchise like 20 times. I still don't get it. Should you be in class? Like, what's the. Actually, they've technically rebooted it three times since we went to the I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trick you, sir. I'm just was, saying. I've, I actually did an article on Johnny Quest. Okay. Your favorite? Which one was your favorite? So, uh, they did uh, the original run, which was uh, on AB, I believe, no, it was on CBS in the 60s. And they did another run in the 80s, uh, it was on syndication. And then the one in the 90s that most of us know, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, the one with 3D and all that. That's intro ever, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, oh yeah, that, oh yeah, the intro is fucking fire. Yeah, intro is dope. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that, those are the three times I did it. Actually, Johnny Quest is distinct because it's the, one of the few shows that's been broadcast on all three of the major networks: ABC, CBS, and NBC. So, oh. 
Hey. Yeah, that was that was a sign when my dad sat me down and was like, this is a great show. And then I guess he realized it was trash. <laughs> well, I realized it was trash. <laughs> He's like, what are we doing this for? <laughs> Let's get ice cream. Let's I was go. wondering, like, oh, this didn't age well. <laughs> Not at no, all. I eat. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, and all the shit with Haji and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zim what did you say? Zim, 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 Zalabim? Zim, Zalabim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Apu was bad. Jeez. Yeah. And my favorite, okay, okay, and then my favorite of the of the shitty superheroes, Fat Man and Boy Blubber. <laughs> triggered. I was always triggered with that. That shit was so fucking funny. I was triggered. I was like, so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fat Man, Boy Blubber, Boy Blubber, and Fat Man. They do the whole fucking Adam West, Rob, uh, Adam West, Burt Ward shaking hands and shit. Yeah. Oh, it was so dope. But he's like, he's a... <laughs> <laughs> the voice of Fat Man is so because it sounds like a dude impersonating the fat guy. Hello yeah. uh, there, Timmy. Mm. <laughs> I love when they actually the, the whole get down is that they actually of uh, advocating despite the fact somebody how somebody looks advocating physical fitness and being loving yourself, and then they'll stop in the middle of like he'll be like reading some book uh, books to some kids and be like, "Hmm, that looks good to me." Uh, share a piece. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> gotta eat, man. Get the calories up. Oh yeah, and then some fat kid. Oh well, me, some uh, chunky child will be. <laughs> will be He's like, I'm not offended now, dude. Yeah, I was in it back then. Yeah, no, Don't no, 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 no. <laughs> chunky, <laughs> chunky child. Let's go to chunky child route. Chunky child would be uh, be, be uh, bullied or ostracized by some bad guys. They come fat man and boy blubber, and they do the whole yeah uh, the Adam West thing chasing the fat uh, chasing the uh, the uh, bullies, and then they get away because you know fat man boy blubber ain't really running that fast for too long, and <laughs> then they stop and they're sitting there heaving. <sighs> the funniest shit with me is like I have a stitch on my side, and I have lost my freshness. <sighs> If I ever, if you'd ever <laughs> find yourself clicking on a child that is overweight, I will personally sit on you. <laughs> and then the, the kid, and then the child that they were trying to save comes up like, "Oh, Timmy, oh, you hope you're okay." They're trying to be nice to him, and they see his lunchbox like, "You have another sticky bun in there, Timmy?" No, it's mine. Oh, come on, Timmy! I just want to check. <laughs> and it starts fighting with the kid. <laughs> can, can I can I just make a can I make a request? Can we get a Belser Belserverse T-shirt that says "Chunky Child"? Yeah, Chunky Child. I would wear that actually. I can't lie. I was a Chunky Child. I was a Chunky Child, dude. So I was so fat. It's ridiculous. That's the only reason I started playing football, Pop Warner. It's got to be like a, like a parody of like the Nestle Chunky Bar, the silver one, the silver wrap chunky black chunky. one. <laughs> I was a, I was I was a, a chunky, chunky child on it, yeah. Yeah, I was a chunky child. I'll wear that shit. I love that. I'll wear that shit. Don't that's what's chun- Hey, that's, thank you guys. That's a great idea, chunky child. <laughs> hey, man, you, this is one of those moments of inspiration we talked about earlier. You just gave right. it. Right. Yeah, print that money. Hey. I apologize, a chunky child. <laughs> chunky, chunky. So, I apologize. Fat kid. I, yeah, I, I, that's why I say I stop myself fat kid is too much. Chunky Chat. Let's go. Let's go with Chunky Chat. That's way too much. Wow. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, real quick, we all went to the characters. I want to go through a few of the episodes. Now, the first one 
is a Dance of Doom, which is the premiere episode, the very first episode, and they actually had Freakazoid versus Cave Guy kind of introduced the whole uh, thing of the show. And then one thing I love at the beginning of it is they do it as like this old, like, horror movie almost like intro with the blood dripping down on the thing. That's of doom. And the fake credits is what gives me. Uh, Dance of Doom starring Leonard Ramos, Kipton Tang, and Wiener Marcator as the hopping one. <laughs> and, and they always feature Wiener Marcator, but they never actually show her. They're just Wiener Marcator as the hopping one. Right. And, uh, and then all, all the uh, stuff that you see with uh, Freakazoid doing like the weird Jerry Lewis voice where he's like doing, young ladies, like improvising like, in the Jerry Lewis voice doing bullshit Yiddish. Right, right. All that, yeah, all that stuff was like improvs from the audio session that they just kept in and they animated. So he's like, oh, do the bullshit Yiddish and shit. So goodbye, stop the singing song, nice lady in the dress. He's doing the Jerry Lewis shit. Right, right. Hey, lady. <laughs> yeah, nice lady doing all that shit. Is so oh yeah, then uh, one of my favorite little improvs that does it, like uh I hope you get like bad zits or eat off the same plate as David Lee Roth. Oh yeah. So even back then, it's the first actually it's the first time I ever heard of David Lee Roth, because I mean he wasn't popping in these streets. I had no idea who he was until like ten years after the fact. Yeah, Freakazoid, yeah. yeah. Like Yeah, but yeah, it was a really funny episode. Like I said, it's Freakazoid versus Candlejack and all the good show introduces like some of the other characters. Another funny episode, Candlejack presented in Screamo Vision. For those of you who don't know what Screamo Vision is, they would say, uh, this show is presented to you in Screamo Vision. Let's test it. And just have a just have a caption that just says scream. <laughs> and it showed like a catch. It showed a photo of somebody screaming and shit. And they would do that throughout the whole show. Like, scream. <laughs> People just start screaming. My favorite part of that shit is uh the campfire at the beginning with the kids. I showed AJ this too. There's a campfire with some kids at the beginning, and they're talking about what the scariest thing in the world is. Like, what if you reach for something? Like, uh, what if you reach for something and it wasn't there? And then like, because it's made of wood. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Freakazoid hits him with a note. The scariest thing in the world would be if they gave Sinbad another TV show. And then all the kids just start screaming in terror. <laughs> Leave Sinbad alone. Liberate Sinbad. That's what Yo, Sinbad, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> And it, I actually, the fun fact I learned about it, uh, there's a little girl in that scene. That little girl is voiced by fucking Elizabeth Moss. Oh, wow. From The Handmaid's, from the Handmaid's Tale. Like, yeah. Okay. It's like an early, yeah. Yeah. But that was like an early role for her and shit. So that was nice. And yeah, I love the kids keep talking about the Sinbad shit, though. Like, he, he wasn't serious about the whole thing about Sinbad, right? Yeah, like, no, 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 he's not. Like the, like the, the television academy has provisions just to prevent that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was dope. That was fucking hilarious. And then, oh yeah, and then I love when he breaks character, Freakazoid. And I showed, I showed this to AJ too, when he breaks character, does the Jerry Lewis uh, muscular dystrophy, you know, the, the aerodyte uh, Jerry Lewis. So, I think this is the loquacious and the movie's experience doing the show. Is it uh, a matter experiential? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then he goes into like the actual actors playing all the different characters. Like, look at Eddie Asner. Look at this big bear of a man. Look, yeah, look at this lovable face. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Kenny Mars, wonderful guy. And all these, these children, these children are wonderful. Wonderful. We're like, I love you all. I love you. We're going to hug after this. But I just wanted to stop and do that. You know? Yeah. He hated those kids. And, 
Yeah, that was, and then he does that. That's when they do the whole Paul Harvey thing. That's in the Candle Jack episode, and that's the end of that episode. Um, fanboy. Oh yeah, uh, fanboy is his name. Well, they actually introduced fanboy. No, uh, apparently, uh, oh, yeah. as I say, they never do actually, never do actually say exactly how old fanboy is in any episode. No, they never do. No, like it's just insinuated he could be anywhere from his late teens to his early twenties. Like you know what I'm saying, like but. Other than that, yeah, you can't really tell, but he's like he just guy from um from Simpsons. Yeah, at least comic book guy, you can kind of tell he's older because he he has the receding hairline and the ponytail. Well, his name is Jeff. He actually has a name. Yeah. Yeah, he's Jeff Albertson. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. They, they do give him a name. Yeah. I like I like the shit we uh comic book guy. We talk about names you can call me on a honeymoon. Uh, Big Papa Smurf, Mister Mixes Piddlet. <laughs> yes. Say it yeah. backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just kill tipsism. Yeah. I think that's how you say it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> am, I gonna, am I gonna go to the fourth dimension? <laughs> I don't know. What is, I, I don't know. <laughs> Only saying his name. Like they did this shit on Family Guy too. Only yeah. saying his name backwards and back to the fifth. With Alex Trebek. <laughs> With Alex Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Adam, oh, West, man. Adam West, the one who gets him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, actually, on the fanboy, when they actually do one where fanboy goes to a Comic-Con convention, and you see him where, like, uh, he's, like, being, like, Harlan Ellison and Mark Hamill and George K. And freaking, uh, he does the uh, whole, uh, oh, yeah, they do the whole thing of, like, the hoo 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 Freakazoid does the hoo 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 thing that uh, Daffy Duck does in that episode. <laughs> it's really, really crazy, man. Uh, another good episode, The Chip, part one and two, which is basically the, the episodes that show the origin of Freakazoid and the whole story and like, how he got the painting chip and the whole thing with Gutierrez and uh, pretty much, uh, oh yeah, at one point uh, the announcer does like different things in different languages that, that nobody knows uh, what it is. Like, uh, it's like uh, he'll say, and now, uh, and then they'll show like different languages. Like, the things they say are actually here, here's my friend Gil in French. My fly is very ugly in Spanish. And uh, there's chopped meat in my pants in German. <laughs> in my pants? So they'll say, and now, and then those different things, and then now back to the show. <laughs> they legit, they, they, they check out? Yeah, 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 they actually, yeah, actually, they actually, uh, <laughs> They actually uh, translated all of them. Yeah, this, oh, this damn. That's, that's going to come in handy. Yeah. It's exactly for shows like this, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Me and my pants. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually the second the second part of the chip uh, shows the whole bear, the guy wrestling the bear thing uh, from um, Grizzly Adams. It was from Grizzly Adams. And uh, <laughs> one good episode which I liked was uh, Freakazoid is History, where like there's like this weird mishap where Freakazoid actually goes back to World War II to Pearl Harbor. And I think he prevents Pearl Harbor and changes history. Now, the changes he makes to history are, like, really significant. Uh, apparently, Sharon Stone can act now. <laughs> and they see her uh, playing uh, Macbeth, Lady Macbeth in the movie of Macbeth. Uh, Rush Limbaugh is now a bleeding-heart liberal and aims to uh, help the poor on the street corner. Uh and then there's a newspaper that does the, the shit that uh, actually really affected. Uh, Euro Disney is packed. Cold Fusion works. 
and there's no more Chevy Chase movies. Okay, so real quick on the Euro Disney, I just got to point this out. I'm reading this yeah. book right now called The Disney Wars. And so yeah. it's like all of the inside stuff that happened after Eisner and Katzenberg went to Disney. That makes so much sense because, because Katzenberg and Spielberg were really close friends. And Euro Disney is entirely, as far as most people are concerned, is entirely on Michael Eisner's shoulders. He pushed for it. He oversaw a lot of it. Whereas Katzenberg was running the, the, um, the studio, essentially. And those two had a lot of bad blood, Katzenberg and, and, um, uh, and Eisner. And so it would make total sense that they'd find a way to give Eisner a little jab in there about Euro Disney because it was, I mean, literally it was so bad. They were... They're worried about it tanking their international uh, European brand and, and worried about how it could impact Walt Disney uh, Corporation as a whole. Because, it, I mean, it was literally like sliding rolling off. So that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> Katzenberg and his friendship with... As a kid, I never got so many cartoons and shows that Euro Disney jokes. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm glad I know this. Yeah. yeah they, they talk about Euro Disney a lot. Yeah, the Simpsons member, like, what is everybody? Oh, like, I didn't know. Honestly, again, this, I know it's probably more just because I'm reading the book right now. It's just like that availability heuristic. But this, again, because we were kids when this, when all this shit was happening, sure. it was like one of the biggest things and one of the biggest news stories in the industry. Because the other part you got to remember, so Eisner left Paramount, which when he got in there, they basically, you know, they've been kind of just humming along. He took them into the next level. Then when he got to Walt Disney, Disney at the time was basically re-releasing all of their animated classics about every seven years. Nobody would do anything with home video really. And they revolutionized it. They took Disney from just being like, it'd be almost like if somebody went and got Lionsgate or Summit where they're just kind of hanging on and turned them into Warner Brothers overnight. Like they yeah. were just hanging on by their, their fingernails. All of a sudden they were the biggest game in town. And yeah. so everything that they did that was big and was great, all the changes in animation, changes in live action, all the good stuff that happened there, great. But as a result, every one of the things that didn't work out as well had a freaking microscope on it, and people were just because you know how it is like whoever the biggest, baddest guy in town is, everybody wants to take him down. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. And that was huge, huge entertainment news. And a couple more things about this particular episode. Uh, another change to history the brain is now the president of the United States. As he should be. And he tries yeah, so it hard. should be. And the beginning of the episode, which I like, is they do a they do a parody of a quantum leap called Quantum Freak. And you know how I like, but you know how I do in the quantum leap intro way, you like show him as different people and different time frames and shit. So they do the same thing with Freakazoid, but they do like different famous scenes from famous movies. So they do uh, Davy Crockett, Ben Hur, Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey, um, Saturday Night Fever, North by Northwest, the the famous running scene. The Graduate, uh, The Sound of Music, you know, the Hills Are Alive shit, Jaws, and uh, The Defiant Ones and Hello, Dolly. <laughs> that's the that's so have, yeah. Yes. So they have Freakazoid doing all those famous scenes from all those famous movies and shit. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, Nerdinator, which is a good episode, uh, where they have basically this predator-like uh, alien hunting down all the nerds in the world to steal their tech savvy. So like uh so and the funny thing about it is they the people that they steal are like major movie stars and like uh, people of industry and shit. So the people they steal include let's see what, uh they, uh, they they steal like Tom Snyder, uh they steal 
Danny DeVito, Tim Burton, George Lucas. Uh, and they, they, they steal people like Rush Limbaugh, George H.W. Bush, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. <laughs> they st- oh, yeah, and then the writers they steal, Stephen King, Anne Rice, and John Grisham. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and then uh, finally, uh, they realize, uh, the, the, the nerdinator realizes that he wants the, the, the nerds tech savvy to take over the world and realize that the light nerds like fucking hot people. So he decides to get rid of all the nerds and starts kidnapping vampire airheads. Uh, main ones he gets are Fabio, Keanu Reeves, Brad Pitt, and the funniest one they get is fucking uh, Kato Kalen. <laughs> <laughs> and the fucked part about it is, and this is really fucked up to put in the kids' cartoon. They start making fun of his testimony from the OJ trial. In yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like um, I don't know. Maybe I heard a bump. Yeah, I remember that. So why are they putting this in a kids' cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing just because it is a good caricature of Kendall Kalen too, long hair and all that shit. Like, oh yeah. man! Oh, anyway, there's still there's still William Shatner too, and he does the Rocket Man shit. Oh yeah! So every, every, time, every time you get Shatner, you got to do the Rocket Man. Prime Shatner, Rocket Man. It's a feeling high. It's a kite, and I think it's gonna be a long, long time. I never got that. Maybe you're better at the culture than I am. Was he? Was that like a legit attempt at spoken word, or did he know that it was gonna be awkward back then? I think that was a legit. To the spoken word and just turn into what the fuck it was. Wow! And, and I guess he and he really kind of worked with it because remember he did them Priceline commercials. We did the same shit. Yeah, probably the songs. I didn't know it was a work or a, or a shoot, as they say. No, it, 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 this, I think this is the second time they actually made fun of that shit on a Steven Spielberg cartoon because they also did it on Animaniacs. Hmm. So, they had him doing karaoke and he was singing like uh, John Jacob. Jingleheimer Schmidt. His <laughs> name is my name too. Well, didn't odd. Didn't he? Didn't he have an album that he tried to do in like the late eighties or early nineties? So, like part of it, part of part of it was a legit attempt at spoken word. But like he was always trying new stuff to see kind of where he could go. I know he had an album for a minute there. Both him and, and Nimoy had albums. Yeah. <laughs> of course, why not? But Nemoy is weird too because he does a he does a Lord of the Rings song, the Bilbo Baggins. Yes, I get I get tagged in that every year. Bilbo <laughs> Baggins, I, I can't Bilbo, Bilbo no, Baggins. I, I'm, good. Like that. I'm good, man. It's like every every time a Flowbots come out on tour or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in the next episode, uh, House of Freakazoid. It's another one of those things where they do like a old school movie parody. This time it's doing like the whole, you know, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, Ship and Universal back in the day, where they would have the camps of monsters come together in one movie. Which were the original crossovers, by the way. They got the Marvel Cin- they were the Marvel Cinematic Universe shit long before there was a real thing as a cinematic universe. Yeah, give your props to Universal Monsters. Uh so but yeah, the whole get down is uh this dude that's a werewolf discovers uh, Dexter's secret identity and tries to get him to help him somehow. I don't, like the, the 
the plot of it is weird, but the, the main guy that comes is basically this guy named Lonnie Talbot, who's basically Larry, Larry Lawrence Talbot, you know, like um, Lon Chaney Jr., the Wolfman and shit. He even does the Lon Chaney shit where he's like, he's grabbing people by the lapels of their shit. You don't understand. <laughs> if you watch some old, if you watch some old Wolfman movies, which I do, yeah, that's all he does. That's all he keeps doing. Just people like you don't understand. <laughs> I don't want to be a werewolf anymore. Like uh, the moon will rise, and I'll change, and all this shit. And they even do the lap dissolve shit where he sits in a chair. The wolf, the moon comes up, sits in the chair. And they do the lap dissolve shit where he turns into a werewolf. And Freakazoid does the same shit where he turns into Freakazoid, but he's like, he's, he turns the Dexter. Bunch of weird ass faces and then freak is over. <laughs> right. yeah. And eventually he does have a, actually they even have the uh, the gypsy lady, Maria Usman Saya, show up. <laughs> and she does the whole, you know, uh even a man who's pure and hard that says his prayers by night may become a wolf on the wolf of game in the autumn moon. Right. Some shit like that with uh with a freakazoid though. I forgot the exact wording, but yeah, it's, it's something similar to that. But eventually, Freakazoid does help him, and he's like, you know what, can you help my friends? And you see at the end, you see all the other universal monsters, you see the Wolfman, oh, no, you see the Dracula, you see Frankenstein, and you see the mummies, like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> like just all the, the Dark Universe, they tried rebooting it three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, another good episode, The Wrath of Gutierrez, which is the one I told you about, where he actually gets sucked into the internet and becomes this like almost freakazoid like being himself, but he looks more like Khan from Wrath of Khan in this episode than any other episode because he has the long hair, the big chest, and all this shit. And, uh, at one point, like uh, uh, freakazoid asks him, like, "I'm stronger than you, I'm more powerful than you. Like, well, can you dance?" And he starts doing like the flamenco. <laughs> so, yes, I can. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love his like threat to the. He's in prison at one point, and like he threatens the guard with like uh for a phone line so he can do his internet. And he's like, if you don't get my phone line, I can split. I will squeeze you, and I will continue to squeeze you until all your man juices run dry. <laughs> and the guard's like. Members of our audience, we should point out that when we were growing up, uh, getting on the internet usually meant plugging into your phone line. So, that's a dollar modem for you kids. That, you you sound like a, a yak or a moose. I had no idea what you were doing. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm sorry. I apologize. You call me a yak? No, it sounded like it was a moose class animal. I didn't. I thought it was a yak. engine not turning over. <laughs> I mean, okay, you got mail. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am, am I a yak? Oh, am, I, am I a yak to you? I mean, I, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm never going to be that. Is this our random Stimpy episode? Am I a Royal Canadian kilted yaksman to you? Is that what you're saying? Catch up with everything. I'm by the, so by the way, we are doing a random Stimpy episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Classic. Maybe if Flobo is available, we can come back for that one. That's, that's my new shirt. You call me a yak. <laughs> you call me a yak. Chuck your job. Your sales should should definitely uh, have a have a nice increase. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last thing of that particular episode was uh, the end where they like uh, it's Roddy, Freakazoid, and Cosgo, and it's like that's one thing that always confuses me. Cosgo, what's wrong? You know in that movie Congo? 
how can you tell the real people from the guy in the suit? And then they go actually go to the movies and start watching Congo. Okay, so that's a dude in the suit. No, that's a real monkey. Okay, now that's a dude in the suit. No, that's a real monkey too. Oh, uh, okay, I think I see what you're seeing now. Okay, that, that's a real monkey. No, that's a guy in the suit. Okay, that's that's a, that's the real monkey. That's another guy in the suit. Okay, we're gonna have to watch this again. Yeah. And that shit was funny. And it's like the shot of like a theater, so it has this comic book vibe of like voices. Yeah, they sit there get the popcorn, they watch the fucking Congo. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird movie. Um, that was the bad new world. What's the other monkey monkey movie, Gorillas in the Mist? Yeah. That shit, they're very similar. And then uh, Joe, uh, Joe something. Mighty Joe Young. Joe Young, yeah. Those are the, those yeah. are the big monkey movies that all like came out at the same time. All the girls. Joe something. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mighty Joe. Mighty Joe. <laughs> out of all of them, the only one that I actually watched was Congo. I probably watched that like ten times. Oh, wow. I watched Congo and I watched Mighty Joe Young because I because they have Regina King in. I love Regina King. I think I think I might have seen that one once, but the the thing that made um. Uh, Congo is so good, I'd say, is probably the, the level of violence. And I mean, I think what I'm coming up on 12, 13 years old when that came out, somewhere around there. So it was just, I mean, how can you turn that down? It's a bunch of crazy, it's basically like the, the beginnings of Planet of the Apes before they started to the prequels. Right, right. All right. Uh, another episode that they have here is um, uh, Dexter's date, which is actually a favorite episode of mine, where Dexter actually gets a date. Dexter gets a date with Steph, not Freakazoid. And they go out and they may have a nice time, but in the middle of it, Freakazoid, he has to leave and do a stop a crime as Freakazoid. And he gets zapped by this weird, like, television machine created by the lobe. And, uh, yeah. And then uh, he gets zapped, and the thing about it is every time he tries to freak back in to Dexter, he changes into another celebrity. So, he, like, at one point, he, like, he turns into, like, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, yeah, I, I have a list here. Oprah Winfrey, David Letterman, Michael Jackson at one point, Barney the Dinosaur, and my favorite one, uh, Judge Ito from the OJ trial. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I've a lot of OJ Simpson references into it now. Yeah, and, it, and, and then another one is really stupid. He turns into the skipper from the Gilligan, Alan Hale. <laughs> oh, wow. He's like... Oh my God, I'm Skipper. He, 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 he get out of. He's like, oh, my little buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the lobe after the whole get down with Freakazoid, his failed plane. He's like, you know what? I want to go out. It's been a, like, the lobe is going to go on the town. And in the same restaurant they're in, the lobe decides to come and have a good time and shit. And they have this big musical number to the to the tune of Hello Dolly, but it's Bonjour Lobe, like. We bonjour, no be, we bonjour. So he's the best villain ever, man. Get his own sequence. We're so pleased to have you back. We have to scream. <laughs> I see your veins, no be, and your brains. Lobie. They have a really good time. It's like a full four minute uh, thing. And then at one point during the whole shit, that they do the fucking, uh, they do like a little thing at the bottom with like a telephone, like the like the Armenian telephone every year, they're like, uh, this person gave this much money, this person gave that much money. And like, yeah. in, the middle of the, in the middle of the musical number. And they, they also do the part, and if you've ever seen Hello Dolly, there's a part where Louis Armstrong and Barbara Streisand sing together. Freakazoid turns into Louis Armstrong and sings with the Lobby. So they, they're doing the whole Bonjour Lobby thing again. It's really good. And yeah, also during the um, initial plot, you see an episode of Seinfeld in the TV thing. So like you see Kramer and... Uh, George and Jerry, of course. 
maybe you guys correct me if I'm missing this one, but I, I can't think of any movies that Steven Spielberg ever did that were, that were musicals. But when we look at we look at Animaniacs, we look at Tiny Toons, we look at Freakazoid, all these these cartoons that he were involved in, massive. Yeah, high, highly you know, musical. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and it's just it's kind of crazy to me that he's never he's never done one. Because um, I mean, like you know, if we think about other cartoon shows, right? So like we've talked before about South Park. You know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Not only have they done great musical numbers in their TV show throughout different episodes, they break in the song, they do that. Not only have they done a, a feature film with musicals, they've gone out and they've even done the Broadway musical side of stuff. It's just kind of interesting because when you think of Spielberg, I, I feel like that's the other thing too. People, I, I know I'm even guilty of this. You, he's so associated and well known for the live action adventure shows and adventure films he's done, and even on the dramatic side with stuff like Hidden Private Ryan, Schindler's List, that sort of thing. It's easy to forget just how talented he actually is across the board when you bring in that musical side because he's never done it at a feature level, animated or otherwise. And again, I mean, some of like, even with that one, the, the Mr. Loby version of Hello Dolly, all those other ones, it's kind of, it's honestly, it's kind of something I don't think he gets enough credit for because it's fantastic, all of these musical movies. Yeah, because yeah, they're on top of the connection, but you're actually right. Yeah. Maybe he'll do one. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's still making stuff. Who knows? You got time. Ready Player yeah, One, the sequel. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Back to the 80s. Basically, yeah, you can do that, yeah. Uh, next episode is The Freakazoid, which is basically a full-on parody of The Godfather. And they do the whole, like, the the, the music and everything, the fucking the, the, the font of the beginning as the, is the Godfather font. And it does, and even beginning with the whole Luca Brasi, you know, opening scene was like, I, I believe in America, you know, that shit like that. Yeah. And it's like this Shriner dude talking about like, uh, like I, I love all the superheroes, you know, I love them all except for the Hulk, you know, he he's got a better smell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he's like, and, uh, my daughter's boyfriend, uh, his name is a Snorts or something. He makes fun of my my little Shriner car, you know, and uh, he said, hey. Why you got such a stupid little car? Stupid little Shriner car. Yeah. I call it uh, my little putt-a-putt. This is what I call it, my Shriner car. My little putt-a-putt. He has the nerve to make a fun of my little putt-a-putt. And he's doing this shit over again. Yeah, and I love to all sorts of things yeah. I never saw before until the show. Like a Shriner, again, like, yeah. I, I, never I never saw, saw the Shriner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and, uh, yeah. real life that lean heavily into something where it's just kind of funny anyway if you don't even if you know them, it's still kind of like because the little hats and little cars mm-hmm. as a kid you see that you're like that's funny it's clownish mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> all right so yeah uh the whole premise of the episode is it's freakazoid's birthday and apparently it's like a superhero tradition that every any person that can get one request from a superhero on his birthday and any and everybody can it actually is a line of people trying to get requests from freakazoid Again, more celebrities, Joan Rivers, Rush Limbaugh, President, President Clinton, Princess Diana, Pope John Paul II, fucking Rooster Cogburn, um, Cosmo, Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld, The Mask, and Judge Ito again. They keep bringing up Judge Ito. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> they just keep bringing up Judge Ito. And then eventually the Lobe uh, gets his request in. And this one, this one fucks up freakers off the rest of the episode. It's like, I have one request for you. Nothing. Like, what are you talking about? 
I want you to do nothing. I'm going to go do my thing, and you can't stop me for an entire day. So the love goes on this fucking crime spree, and Freakazoid, being a superhero, trap basically has to fulfill his promise. He can't do anything about it the entire episode. Uh, and then the actually weird thing about it is they actually have, for his Freakazoid's uh, uh, party, they have a Johnny Mathis singer. And he's like, he's like singing a hokey pokey, though. So it's like... <laughs> So it's Johnny Mathis. You put your left hand in, you put your left hand out, you put your left hand in, and you let it up. You took the hooky hooky hand, you turn yourself around. That's like an SNL sketch ready to happen, you know? Yeah, Johnny like, Johnny Mathis doing the fucking hokey pokey. Yeah. The kid's bopping himself. Yeah. And like I said, the whole episode has the load just going on this crime spree. And at one point, they do the whole, like, uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, but to the low. You're a meaty, nasty low. You're, you're rotten as rotten gets. Your, your head is extra machine because you haven't got a skull, nasty low. Why, I wouldn't sit next to you on the airplane if, if there was a seat next to you on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They keep saying you're a such a bad guy, nasty low, you cruel as cruel can be. You're vicious, you're malicious, you're despicable and nasty, nasty low. Why, if you invited me to go to the movies, I probably wouldn't go. Oh. <laughs> That's fair, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they do the same thing with the Jackie, Johnny Mathis shit, which Freakazoid. Johnny Mathis does another song, sad song about Freakazoid. Freakazoid, you wonder a team without a home. You're kind of going to Aaron Neville right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like Aaron Neville. <laughs> you, you can test of your love. Your deeds have been forgotten. The world's a cold, cruel place. It's tough to go on living if you cannot. Show your face. We'll be right back. Yeah. As the commercial break. That should have me dying laughing, man. Oh my God. Oh, that's a great Uh They do a whole Mission Impossible episode, Mission Freakazoid, which I showed AJ too, the intro of it. But it we, we, they redo the entire free, uh, Mission Impossible shit with a fuse, but they're doing like Freakazoid clips. And like I said, all the random clips that, that they keep showing, like the man wrestling the bear, uh, the dude with the cannonball, Henry Kissinger, shit like that. They keep showing Judge that Edo. <laughs> yeah, Judge Edo. Yeah, the shit like that, man. And it's really fucking funny, really funny episode. And it's uh, basically. Freakazoid's parents are kidnapping. They got a Freakazoid and his crew got to save. That's pretty much the whole concept of the episode. And they do the same thing again with the opening credits. They have Freakazoid and all the crew, and Wiener Marcator is the hobby woman. That's the last credit. Aww. They keep doing Wiener Marcator, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Hero Boy episode. That's the same one that Gutierrez comes back again as the cyborg with the face, with the half face, excuse me. And uh, at one point, he actually, uh, he actually discovered Freakazoid's weakness in this episode because Freakazoid's poo gas. No, it's not poo gas. It's actually uh, graphite bars uh, charged with negative ions. 
And Freakazoid oh, helps hey, them build, right, yeah, right. yeah, Freakazoid helps them build the shit. Because <laughs> in the beginning of it, you see uh, Gutierrez doing like uh, different types of weaknesses from different other heroes to try to fuck with Freakazoid. Like he has a piece, uh, a piece of kryptonite. He's like, "Ooh, I got some kryptonite. Ooh, yeah, the feeling weak, huh? Do you feel weak?" He's like, "Superman's weakness." Uh, <laughs> I, I, and he pulls out a yellow piece of paper. Oh, the yellow, the yellow will get you. Ooh, feeling weak from the yellow. That's the Green Lantern. <laughs> I got retcon, by the way, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Hey, I'm, I'm just triggered, all right? I'm just no, triggered. No, I know, I know. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> and then uh, he, th- he, th- he throws some water in his face. Ooh, water. The melting, melting, melting. That's the Wicked Witch, man. Like, what's your weakness? Well, and he showed So, so fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's another one where there's a, a succubus episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where uh, Cosgrove falls in love with his chick, Mary Beth, and she turns out to be a succubus. I love the song, though, at the end. was like uh, it, they had the G- Jimmy Durante voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The song. <laughs> a woman that you, a woman that you're dating, that's a candle with a nose, and she tries to drain your liquids from your head down to your toes. Gosh, I hate to tell your buddy. Cause I hate to tell your pal that the woman that you're dating is a monster lady gal. <laughs> Good night, Miss Calabash, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rest of the episodes are kind of cool, but like, yeah, those are really the main ones I really want to talk about. Now, in terms of the legacy of the show, uh, the series actually debuted on the, uh, the the brand new then Kids WB Saturday morning block on the WB Game Changer. That- yeah, exactly. Actually debuted September 1995. Uh, the main reason that kind of led to its cancellation was the fact that while it was meant to appeal to very young children, it actually appealed to adults and older children, which was not the intention. And because of that, you know, they didn't really get the, uh, the attention that they wanted for the target audience. Uh, and they also ran into some time slot issues. They actually kept changing around the time, uh, the time of the show a lot. So the series only lasted only two seasons. And, uh, Totaling in 24 episodes. The last one was actually broadcast June 1st, 1997. Then uh, it started getting a cult following because the reruns started showing up on Cartoon Network. And like I said, it became a cult hit as a result of that. Well, kind of like Family Guy. Well, I was just saying, in fact, the, the real problem for them was that it was it was so early on because if this, if this had actually been 99-2000, it probably mm-hmm. just ended up rolling over and, I mean, at a minimum, could have ended up as, as a Adult Swim. I mean, they could have definitely, you know, rebranded it over there and rolled it in off of WB. Because like you said, when they were going for the kids slot with WB, this wasn't going to work. Their audience well, was doing something else. I was listening to the Nostalgia Creek episode of the Freakazoid, and they had yeah. the, that uh, Tom Ruger and, and Paul Rugg on that show, and they were saying that their second season, the network wanted to do this, this gimmick on Saturday mornings, big kids first, and put all the ad- older shows at 7 o'clock in the morning at 7.30 a.m., and of course, kids are not going to be up for that. So the ratings big tanked. Up, yeah, kids, big kids ain't up that early. Yeah, big kids first. Woo! And it totally just destroyed their idea. So they wrote that second season, like I'm sure you're going to say, but they know it was going to be over with. Yeah. yeah. So, and they uh, yeah, flirted around with the whole idea of a third season, but it never came to happen because it deemed it too expensive. But one thing that does come in Freakazoid's favor, they actually won the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Special Class Animated Program. So it's an Emmy one. 
TV show. Uh, and like I said, Bruce Tim has said in several interviews, he gets as many questions about Freakazoid as any of the other shows he's done. And like, like, he, he, like he couldn't really answer a lot of them because of the fact that, like I said, he bailed on it early. So, but he is listed as the creator of the show, one of the creators. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and like, first of all, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And uh, is actually ranked uh, number fifty-three on IGN's top one hundred greatest uh, animated series of all time. So, I'll give you that. Yeah. It was in a class but, of a very specific time, you know, the, the musical Looney Tunes reimagined with Tiny Tunes. All the way up through hysteria, like those shows were like awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, like that's one thing I will say about the show. Yeah, it was ahead of its time, which a lot of critics do say. If it was out now, it would definitely be on like Adult Swim or one of those other shows, and it would be killing right now. Like, it's, well, it's just, but here's yeah, you know, here's yeah. the only thing though, because again, this is the real question, right? Because it was solid for what it was, but I think part of what made it so much more popular with with the bigger kids, especially with adults. There wasn't a lot. I mean, at that point in time, 96, 97, you're really talking about what? Simpsons <coughs> animation? And then you go way far, like what? I think it was 98, maybe 97 when um, when uh, South Park came out. And that was all the way on the other side. 96, I was in sixth grade when it came out. 96, so that's what I'm saying. So they're all the way over on the other side for, for adults and teenagers. Freakazoid's kind of in a middle territory, so you kind of have to ask, I mean, are they really going to go up against Rick and Morty right now if they're going to do – I mean, because that's the thing. Like, you go so much farther beyond with a lot of the other animation uh, that you've got out there today. Because that's, the, that's like always kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. Like, there's no doubt that what uh, Animaniacs did, what, what Freakazoid did, the progressed of series, to change that idea, to help change that perception like, like Simpsons, like you got with Family Guy, like all of the other ones that spun off from Seth MacFarlane's world you definitely got something there to kind of show that, hey, grown-ups like to watch animated stuff too. And one of the best bits, uh, I can't remember who it was I heard talking about, but they're saying one of the great things about animated series, number one, your cast never gets gets too old, right? As long as they can still do the voice, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. The audience is still going to buy that the same character. You're essentially frozen in times so you have that. And two, you can get away with a lot more having an animated character do a space thing than you ever can have there's, there's a line at the end of the day it's going to be seen connected with it like one of the famous ones that you and I've talked about a bunch and Tom used to tell us about well, well, back when we were in school was uh, I can never remember the guy's name but he was in Dirty Harry he played the bad guy okay which, 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 which Dirty Harry the first one. Oh, uh Andrew Robinson yeah, Scorpio. He, yeah, and he kidnaps the, the school bus full of kids. yes yeah, yeah, Scorpio yeah. Tom told us that because he's known him for years he said he would literally have little old ladies would see him in an airport and go up to him and spit in his face or tell him, you, you should be ashamed of yourself and all this stuff. He's like, I'm, it was, I was a part, like I was acting. Like yeah. actors are, are very, very much aware, especially the bigger they get that, hey, there's a limit because for whatever reason, people can't disassociate and realize this isn't this is. I'm just playing a character, man. They get, they get too invested in it, but with animation, you can go anywhere you want. So with Freakazoid, that's point in time, 96, 97, if they'd gotten and they'd been able to through the 98, 99, they'd rolled into uh, Adult Swim back then, I think they'd have a shot. I, I don't know, unfortunately, if they'd be able to, to pull that off today because there are no limits to a certain extent. I mean, you can go a hell of a lot farther than they ever went. And that zany kind of in-between 
you know, it's it's a question. I think how many how many people would actually watch that, except for you know guys like us that are big geeks on it, would be like, oh yeah, you know, hope it's not Johnny Quest three point. Yeah, I, and the uh, only thing I can think of like where it would be now is that Justice League spot, you know, that preteen spot Saturday evenings on Cartoon Network, that four p.m., five p.m., six p.m. But yeah, you're right. They're really it's a very thin lane to hit. The only thing I can compare it to is SpongeBob on that mass appeal type deal. But yeah, who knows? Well, I root for Freakazoid. I think it would be, I think it would thrive in today's society just from the sheer cult following that's got from its initial run in '97, '95, '97, etc. So. I think I think we do fine. But I have a question for you though. Uh, would you Would you watch a live action remake? A Freakazoid? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm saying because I sat in theaters watching Sonic the Hedgehog on Valentine's Day. That's my Valentine's Day date. Now I had time in my life. No, no. I think I think some things are just better left in animation. Um, here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, so I'll take your premise of a live action remake. Who's playing Freakazoid? It doesn't That's matter, important. dude. Whatever you want, man. Yeah, in, this, in this day and age, it does matter. It, it, okay, it does matter for this, but I'm just saying the, I, the concept, the art expression. Would it only be animation or would you be open to a, a live action? This, this is what goes to it. Who can even play that part? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's where you run into trouble. The idea of can you do live animation, uh, live action? Sure. I think you potentially you could do a live, live action Animaniacs if you wanted to. The question is who's going to play that part? Mm. Right, like there's nobody. They, they, you don't. Robin Williams is gone. I don't know what the hell's up with Jim Carrey these days, but I, I don't know that you're gonna get him to. Uh, I was gonna say Jim Carrey's doing sound to his <laughs> But that's what I'm gonna say. Like I, I can't think. Of, there's nobody <laughs> I can think of that I've seen doing anything that has the zaniness that can play. And and again, even if you want to figure out a way to make a transformation where you have a different actor literally playing uh, Freakazoid versus Dexter. Mm -hmm. I just don't know who you'd even get. That's where the problem, I mean, you could maybe, maybe, maybe find uh, a good voice actor, assuming, you know, Paul doesn't want to do it or can't do it. You can maybe find a voice actor to match it, get pretty close, and then it's going to entirely rely on the writers. The problem for me with the live action is, uh, because, I mean, Freakazoid probably wasn't the most physical cartoon character. Mm -hmm. There's a physicality to it that's it's so fucking hard. To yeah. and an animated character does on screen. I mean, that's why I would mention Jim Carrey, because the only thing I can think of where anyone's even gotten close to that blend was in the mask. That's true. I'll give you that. And then Frank is always just so, such a weird character. Like, even the silly shit he does, he can fly, but uh, like, when he decides to, he just says, he just puts his hands up in the air and just runs. I still do that. I still do that. Shh. Run. <laughs> so stupid. Like, it's that kind of stupid shit, but like my thing with the whole um, live action, get that, that there's so many other aspects of that show that are very hard to come across. Like uh, you might do it as like some of it could be like a good sketch comedy, but then there's the element of Freakazoid himself, and that's extra, super extra. You know what I'm saying? So it like it would be funny, but sometimes it can be the Freakazoid himself can be distracting from the entire movie itself because there's a lot of subtle shit. In the animation of the show itself, there's a lot of Easter eggs. You know, say they pick out watching the episode of Freakazoid. Like they really, sure. they really uh, make it into a whole like, little project in itself. Like I said, most of the movies are like movie. Most, most of the episodes are movie parodies in themselves. Basically, the older movies that nobody's ever heard of, except for the cast and crew or whatever. But still, they are movie parodies and they're very specific in terms of uh, 
I mean, with, with enough money, you could handle that part you're talking about, I think, Jamie, but with, with where we're at right now for, for CG. But you're starting to approach pretty quickly. I think you'd be chasing down Marvel budgets. And it goes back again. It's like, I just don't know who you could get to play uh, Freakazoid. Mm. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anybody. I mean, I guess you could go out and find an unknown and, you know, do the casting thing and see if you get lucky. But there's no, there's no names that I can think of where I go, yeah, that's, that's Freakazoid. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, All right, so we've uh, gone just about damn near three hours going to the show. It's about like two and a half, pretty much since we started like 6.30. But this has been a damn enjoyable show. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, we love Flo having you here, Flobo. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh, and uh, basically, we're going to go ahead and announce our next show next week. Uh, I think we should do another one of just you and me, another run. Uh, I want to try... Actually, I have it already put out. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Okay. Well, that's our next show. Cool. So, so next week we're going to be doing a deep dive on the great Michael J. Fox and his career. Uh, so it's based on be me and AJ again. And then after that, I want to do. Uh, there's a couple other shows we have listed. Up. I want to do one about Chris Rock, which I want Chris, uh, Flobo to come back on. And also, the Chris Rock one is going to feature a special guest, my brother, who's actually one you know, be on the show. Uh, <laughs> and I want to do a big one. For Eddie Murphy, because uh, when I put it out there, a lot of people email like, "Who's going who's to be on the Eddie Murphy show?" And another one is going to be a big one: Chappelle show. Doing one on Chappelle show. No, yep. of course I would love Flo to come back, and probably some of the other guys that we've talked to before. Everybody has their own stake in Chappelle show, man. Everybody. So uh, those are just some of the upcoming shows we have going on. But like I said, go ahead, go ahead, Jay. I was gonna say, Flobo, you wanna you wanna plug in quick here, man? Let's let's tell people where they can find you. Get uh, get all your stuff. Well, until, yeah, they fun, come out, until they come out with that Chunky Child t-shirt, you can buy my own t-shirt over at flobito.threadless.com. Birthday edition of my shirt is available right now. Pick it up because June is the best month ever. Otherwise, flobito.com, that's where my website is, at Boys on Twitter, at flobito on Instagram. And follow me on YouTube, man. Be my friend. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and get our plugs in, AJ. Uh, so like I said, uh, host you folks can uh, really go on to uh, Facebook and get onto the uh, Dropping That Culture page. Uh, that's number one. Go ahead and join. Uh, get that like on, you know what I'm saying? Get, like, help us out here. Uh, also, you can uh, join the uh, Bellsoverse pages on both the page on Facebook and also the group on Facebook, uh, constantly updating. And there's also a Bellsoverse page on uh, Instagram. You can join that as well. Uh, and also, you can go to teespring.com, go to the Bustleverse store, get yourself some Bustleverse merchandise, uh, which I'm pretty sure Chunky Child will be joining the crew uh, pretty soon. I'm really liking that one. I'd be the chocolate bar design, man. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> and uh, you, can, uh, you guys can follow me on uh, Facebook at uh, Daryl Belser, uh, also on Instagram and Twitter as TheBelser, T H E B E L S E R. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much all my stuff, AJ. And uh, as always, uh, long-time listeners know, ushooker.com. Uh, you can go to US Hooker Facebook page, US Hooker on Instagram. Uh, we'll teach you everything you need to know so you can start enjoying the great sport of rugby. Got t-shirts and hats and all that good stuff too. But uh, definitely just get on there and learn the sport. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, our football background. Me and JD kind of had that in common. Uh, I'll tell you when I found rugby. Uh, it was like boxing MMA, uh, of boxing. Rugby, it's football, but nonstop, 80 minutes, go, go, go. And you're going to learn uh, exactly how uh, tough these guys are because 
Not a one of them wears pads. It's mouthpieces and, uh, and cleats. That's it. And they go out there and truck each other for 80 minutes straight. So I uh, get on there, okay. check that out, and uh, you know, learn a new sport and enjoy it. They're actually playing. They just started playing rugby again in New Zealand. So there you go. Get on ESPN Plus. You can watch uh, rugby. Australia, too. Uh, I got myself my Sydney Roosters shirt in the mail. I'm ready to support. He, he, he's, a, he's a recent convert. Flobo and me had this offline a while back. He was talking to me about it, and I was, uh, was kind of trying to evangelize for the sport. So let's get more folks. <laughs> Rugby held out the longest with the coronavirus shutdown. So I was like, I'll check this out. <laughs> and it's the first one to come back. No pads. You guys don't care. You just don't care. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk cauliflower ears? <laughs> Where, yeah, exactly. If you're lucky. Okay, so uh, I have nothing to add to the rugby conversation. Just, so I'm just going to say the word rugby. <laughs> rugby. <laughs> I hug me. Rugby. Well, <laughs> uh, again, a special thanks to our guest, Flobo. Thank you again for coming back, man. Thanks for the invite, yeah. I we really hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, again, this has been Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Dropping That Culture. Driving that coach. 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 Driving that coach.